Thanks for joining today. And I want to first introduce you to two of our co-hosts. We have Cynthia Brani, PT Elephant. And she is a digital artist, uh, author, and animator. And she has had gender dysphoria since she was uh, growing up, but she chose alternative pathways instead of transition for therapy. And we also have Exo Turner, and she has been in this Twitter space for a, a while, just on Twitter, talking about sex development and DSDs. And she has Turner syndrome, which we'll get into uh, later on. So first, what I want to do is define our terms. We're, in this space, we're going to be discussing not just the sex binary, not just typical males and females, but also the consequences of the sex binary, the effects, the genetic effects, the hormonal effects, and how these systems produce the sex binary, and also how these systems can go wrong and produce genetic errors, hormonal errors, and how these genetic and hormonal errors then impact the people who experience them. And there's a lot of misinformation that goes around that we've seen on, on Twitter and just in the culture everywhere about how male and female are socially constructed, how DSDs prove that male and female exist on a spectrum, and that this is evidence that for some reason people who identify as the opposite sex uh, can be validated as the sex that they identify as, and that people with DSDs are evidence of, of that for some reason. So we're going to we're going to separate all these different concepts out and explain these things very clearly and then have a discussion section halfway through where we can um, open it up to questions and comments. And so we'll just go from there. So first, let's define our terms. First, what is sex? What is its purpose and why is it binary? So sex is simply really fundamentally about sexual reproduction. How do we create new individuals, how do we create genetic diversity, and that has existed for at least 2 billion years. Around 1.2 billion years ago, sexual reproduction started to generate male and female forms through gametes or sex cells of differing size. One sex cell provided, the, provided most of the resources or all the resources for the developing zygote, they were large, few in number, and that's the eggs. The other gamete provided no resources for the developing zygote, but it was fast and numerous in number. And combining those two gametes created genetic diversity across a wide range of species over the history of life. We have species of all types and form, tons of different anatomies, tons of different physiologies and behaviors. But ultimately, what it comes down to is there are only two sexes across all these different species because there are only two different body plans and gametes produced from those body plans. There's not a third sex because a third sex would require the creation of a third gamete type and a third body plan that produces a third gamete type. So that is the purpose of sex, is to generate new individuals, create genetic diversity, and that requires just two sexes. 
from that, there's a difference between what sexes are, which is these phenotypes or body plans that produce two differently sized gametes. There's that. And there's also how sexes develop in individuals. How are male and female produced in individuals? And this can vary widely across species. In humans, which we'll cover specifically today, there's a specific set of genetic and hormonal mechanisms that produce a male and female. And when we think about sex development, we can divide it into two separate categories. How sex is determined, and then how sex is differentiated. Determining sex doesn't mean how we observe sex or how we identify sex in an individual. Instead, determining sex is specifically about how the genes trigger development into a male or female. It's about the developmental decision that those genes institute on the fetus. Sex determination is, in humans, initiated by a set of genes. In other species, it might be initiated by temperature. For example, crocodiles use different temperature values so that a certain set of values triggers male development and a certain set of values triggers female development. In humans and other mammals, it's really just determined by the genes that you have and the genes within the chromosomes that, that you have. In typical sex determination, the presence of the SRY gene on the Y chromosome triggers gonadal differentiation into testes, and then you develop into a male. If you do not have that SRY gene on that Y chromosome, then you develop as a female. Your gonads differentiate into ovaries. And this determination process is what's called mutually antagonistic. So what does that mean? Well, it means that if the SRY gene is present, it will suppress the factors that control female development. And if the SRY gene is absent, it will not suppress that, those female genes, and female, females will develop. And there's many genes involved in female development that if they aren't there, then it will allow males to develop. And so there's this back and forth push and pull process between one network of genes, the male, the male making genes, and then the female making genes. So as this process is happening, the gonads differentiate into testes or differentiate into ovaries. There's hormones that are produced that then help build the uh, gamete transportation systems that we call the genitalia, the internal and external genitalia that allow the gametes to then meet up and fuse. And so we have the gonads, which are the gamete factories, and then the genitalia, which are the gamete transportation systems. And these two systems, the male reproductive system and the female reproductive system, are completely mutually antagonistic. You cannot develop a, a complete female system in a male, and you cannot develop a complete male system in a female. Now, biologists have theorized about why this is the case, but they think that it's likely due to the fact that to create an equal number of individual males and individual females in a species, it's important that the genetic systems antagonize each other. Otherwise, you'd create an infertile male-female mix that would not be able to actually reproduce correctly.
And so that's the theoretical and um, observational and empirical basis for why sex is binary, that there's just two different reproductive systems, each one specialized for the production of a specific gamete type, which then fuse with the other gamete type to create a new individual. So from there, what are DSDs? What are these disorders of sex development that create atypical um, conditions from the typical path? We define DSDs as any reproductive condition that results in atypical chromosomal, gonadal, or genital um, products, basically, or results. And these are traditionally divided into three categories. We have chromosomal DSDs. This is where you might have atypical chromosome combinations. You might have, instead of the typical XX for females or the typical XY for males, you might get an extra X chromosome in a male fetus. And so the fetus develops with XXY. Or you might have a, um, a female fetus who develops with just a single X chromosome and not a second X chromosome. And so this is chromosomal DSDs. And these DSDs still result in anatomies that are either male or female. Another division is 46XX DSDs. These are reproductive conditions that result in um, still XX chromosomes, but a typical development of gonads or a typical development of genitalia. Not all XX DSDs are female. Some, for example, XX males are male because they develop a penis and testes, whereas other XX conditions are clear in typical females, for example, a condition MRKH, which results in a female with an absent uterus or underdevelopment of um, the vag vaginal canal and cervix. And then finally, we move on to the 46XY DSDs. These are any DSDs that result in atypical development of gonads and genitalia in XY individuals. And like the XX cases, some can be females and some can be males, and that depends on the reproductive anatomy that they develop and how that relates to gamete type. Now, there's a good case to be made that those three categories I just listed, chromosomal, 46XX, and 46XY, should be challenged, that these categories create confusion when it comes to reproductive conditions. And this is something that we'll delve into soon. So one important distinction to be made before we get into our discussion is that disorders of sex development, there are 40 plus different conditions. Each one is unique, each one is discrete, and they cannot be placed on a spectrum together. They are quantitatively and qualitatively different. They have different causes and different effects. Now, a subset of DSDs are clinically defined as intersex. And intersex means specifically that there's a mismatch between chromosomes, like XY or XX, and your expected phenotype. So you might, for example, get a male with XX chromosomes or a female with XY chromosomes. That is specifically an example of an intersex condition. This means that while intersex is more specific than DSDs, DSDs is broader. So intersex is a subset of DSDs, 
but not all DSDs are intersex conditions. Again, another point that we'll delve into soon. Lastly, these DSDs are not identities. They're not to be confused with somebody just identifying or thinking that they are something. This, this involves actual, real medical conditions that greatly impact the people's lives and cause life-threatening complications most of the time, often cause infertility, and a host of other physiological issues. So now that we have the basics laid out, and I can clarify any of this information if we need, I want to move forward now into our discussion with Exo Turner and, um, and kind of delve into the details on this stuff. So Exo, I wanted you to just basically provide us basically who you are. Tell us who you are. Tell us your personal history and tell us about the condition you have. Hey, Zach. Um, thank you for a bit of the science lesson. Um, hey, everyone. Uh, hope everyone here is doing well. Uh, speaking of consequences of the sex binary, congratulations, Zach and Cynthia, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on the pregnancy. I just wanted to congratulate you guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, so uh, my platform online started because I was seeing a lot of misinformation um, about a condition that I was diagnosed with at 17. So I will tell you a bit about um, that backstory. So um, ever since I was eight years old, um, you really started to see how I was somewhat different from my peers. I was having academic and social difficulties. Um, I was always, you know, shorter than my, uh, you know, shorter than the other girls and, you know, not quite as developed. Um, but, you know, some people are late bloomers. And so it wasn't really uh, brought to the forefront um, until I was 17 years old and I had still not gotten um, my first period. So that was the big warning sign that uh, either hormonally or something with my um, endocrine system was happening. And so um, that is when I got the referral to go see an endocrinologist. When I was there, the first thing that happened was I was weighed and they measured my height. Um, for reference, I am five foot one and my mom is five three. So that was not um, a marker for something that was abnormal. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, um, the doctor examined me physically. So they checked my um, breast development, which was very uncomfortable. You know, I was seventeen, and um, it was. Uh, it was a very um, vulnerable position to be in. And um, I, I, they also checked um, the genitalia, right? Uh, examined that. Again, you know, um, asked me questions about if I was sexually active. You know, these are things that you do come to expect if you go to a doctor, but it kind of threw me off guard because... I was, you know, quite young. Um, 
And then, you know, once all the um, basic uh, information was taken down, I then met with the endocrinologist and I can tell from her face, I remember it clearly that the second I walked into her office, she recognized it. Um, so she checked my thyroid as well. Um, and she, you know, she, she noticed some small phenotypical markers of the condition that I have. Um, and she told me because she wasn't able to confirm the diagnosis until I got a karyotype test that, um, and these words will ring with me forever. Um, she said, so either what's going on with you is hormonal and there are treatments that we can provide you with, or this is something that's genetic. And when she was telling me that she had already known, but had not confirmed um, that I had Turner syndrome. Um, and we'll, we'll go into uh, we'll go back to those words because I do think they're important. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and so the official diagnosis um, came after. So I was sent to get a blood test, um, which was also very uncomfortable because I was expecting the needle to go in and out and be done with it. And the needle was in my arm taking blood for two, three minutes um, because they had to take six vials of my blood. And then about a week later, I was called back um, and she she gave me um, a book and she said, you have Turner syndrome and we are going to have to um, send you to get an ultrasound um, because there could be a problem with your kidneys. There could be a problem with your uterus. Um, you know, we need to make sure that everything is OK. Uh, and that was also a uh, a very, again, I, at these moments, I remember quite vividly, um, I was with my mom and she gave me these two huge bottles. We went and we bought them and I had to drink both of, like a gallon bottle of waters and um, and I really had to pee. And then uh, I was sent to do the ultrasound and, you know, the doctors that are pushing on my bladder and I'm like, oh, my God, don't pee on the doctor. Um, but, you know, the... Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was the first thing that happened, um, because the kidneys are the, uh, were, were something that the doctor was worried about. And so I had to get that checked out and, um, you know, she, she was very happy with how my uterus looked. She's like, you know, uh, later for HRT, if you want to get pregnant, um, that's going to be, um, pretty good, um. Uh, and I'll, I'll clarify because I'm giving you guys a lot of information. So um, the reason they needed my blood test was to te uh, was to test my karyotype, which is the amount of chromosomes that you have. So most humans have 46 chromosomes, um, and then you have ca uh, cases with monosomy, uh, meaning missing a chromosome, or trisomy, and where you have added chromosomes. Um, and this particular condition affects the allosomes, um, meaning the sex chromosomes. So I am missing an X chromosome. Um, specifically, what that can mean is uh, it can lead to um, learning difficulties. Uh, it leads to uh, quite often um, premature ovarian failure, which means infertility. Um, 
there are some phenotypical markers, for example, a wider chest, um, short stature, um, um, a wider neck, a webbed neck, they call it. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, and, and basically, um, this started um, my journey into understanding some of the things that Zach was talking about, because when you're missing a chromosome, you get very invested in where they come from and what they do, right? And a lot of people don't have like those questions um, in mind when they talk about karyotypes, when they talk about chromosomes. Um, they're just like, uh, you know, very... Um, they're they're very broad um with their their descriptions sorry i'm getting hey so it's also i was as you were talking i was thinking of there's this really i don't know weird (laughs) weird thing that people do where they they think that these chromosomal conditions that involve the sex chromosomes are somehow to be treated completely differently on like a conceptual level than than disorders that involve non-sex chromosomes so for example you can think of down syndrome which involves i believe the third copy of the chromosome 21 and that's not that has nothing to do with with sex chromosomes it's just a normal not another chromosome but uh, that is a developmental disorder in a similar way that turner syndrome is also a developmental disorder and i think people have this misconception that the sex chromosomes that all the genes on the sex chromosomes that they are the only ones that control sex development. But in reality, there's plenty of genes that are on non-sex chromosomes that control sex development. For example, the development of the ovaries is often controlled by WNT4, which is not on the X chromosome. So it's interesting that people, for some reason, think that chromosomal disorders that involve the sex chromosomes prove that sex is a spectrum, but there's plenty of genes that still develop the person's sex as a male or female that don't have anything to do with the sex chromosomes. So in your case, you developed as a female because of certain genes on your chromosomes. And even though you were missing a second X chromosome, that doesn't mean that you're somehow like less female or any of these things that activists bring up. So I just wanted to mention that. So there's, um, so yeah, this comes to uh, the, a lot of misconceptions that I've heard um, on the internet about these conditions. And the reason why I, you know, I'm disheartened by it, but I'm also kind of, it's also somewhat laughable because it is very easy to distinguish um, somebody who's just heard of these conditions yesterday in like a bio 101 class and know that these conditions exist versus somebody who actually has read up on um, these conditions and the experience of people with these conditions. Um, and, you know, it. I, this is why it's called consequences of the sex binary because, you know, um, you can't, I couldn't have gone through premature ovarian failure without being female. (laughs) Um, That's a specifically female experience, right? Um, Though atypical, right? Um, And 
that that's the that's the whole thing. Um, you know, when I first found out about my condition, I went through that question also. I was like, am I technically female and also technically not? And that's one of the first questions that came to mind. And then, you know, um, I thought back on um, all the times I've heard those words and those terms. And I am a very big Discovery Channel nerd um, and big animal lover and grew up basically watching these documentaries um, on animal behavior and, you know, connected <laughs> connected the dots that if male and female are terms that encompass different species, um, then there's, you know, perhaps something a little more than just a karyotype that goes into what male and female are. Um, and then, you, you know, um, in the classical um, definition of biology, it is basically gonads, right, that, um, that help just uh, uh, distinguish what the sexes are because those are the primary organs that are linked to gametes. Um, but there is, yeah, there's a lot to discuss on, on that end. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's so many arguments and it's, it gets really frustrating because all of that, you know, gets lost. Um, like we get lost in sorry we get lost in these discussions when really it should be about you know how do we help um a, vul a vulnerable 17 year old who has a DSD go through her diagnosis and get her peer support you know uh, how do we help a young man you know who's getting diagnosed with Kleinfelters how do we help deal with you know the loss that is infertility um how do we you know, help support people with DSDs and dis you know, we can't have, we can't have any discussion about that. Um, if you can't have a discussion about male and female and these act right. activism is basically trying to poke a hole in those terms, but those terms are why I exist in the first place. Um, sexual development <laughs> is important to understand um, especially for, you know, those of us with DSDs. Right, because people with DSDs are products of that sex binary. If male and female did not exist, then people with DSDs would not exist. And like those, it's so important to understand that the existence of male and female, that understanding what those terms mean, then allows us to accurately treat uh, people who have DSDs. It helps us treat their infertility if they have infertility it helps us treat any reproductive issue they have because we can look at them and know their sex development and know that they developed as a male or female and know what that entails and know what systems are involved in that and what's what's a healthy hormone level for a for a male and what's a healthy hormone range for a female that a female typically gets her menstruations between the ages of nine to 16 is important to know. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and finally, I, you know, there's also the inverse of that, which is true, which is um, males and females with DSDs actually highlight how robust the sex binary is. Um, we highlight all the different genes that 
encompass and um, help male and de- uh, male development and female development come to fruition, right? And so it is, you know, we are part of the binary it made us to. Um, and we're a predictable consequence of it because, like you said, in a mutually antagonistic developmental system, having an organism that has a feature of the opposite sex is like a predictable consequence when you look at developmental pathways. Um, Having um, missing or added chromosomes is, you know, um, something that is easy to predict. Um, When you have a system of two, basically, and a system of two is a binary. So I'll finish there. I just shared a paper in the Twitter space that you guys can look at. It says, um, developmental biology paper exploring mammalian sex determination with a focus on the genes involved in DSD cases. And what this paper does is it looks at insights from human and, humans and mice, and it looks at the molecular and genetic causes of various DSDs, whether it's sex reversal with a, an XX fetus developing as a male or uh, potentially a XY fetus developing as a female, and they just list out so many genes involved in sex development. And we only know what these genes do because of DSD cases, because of understanding what happens when you knock out one gene and a different outcome results. And so this huge list of genes, and not all of them, again, not all of them are on the sex chromosomes, this huge list of genes these are all involved in sex development. And the more we find out about these genes and how they work, the better we will be able to treat people with DSDs. I do want to ha- add um, two things, because I wrote down in my notes as you were speaking. Um, the term intersex. Let's discuss it. Um, so- yes, <laughs> that's an important one. We see that all the time, all the time from gender activists. And they often use it as a way to create confusion by saying, look at these people who are supposedly between male and female, because it sounds like they're saying between with the word intersex. So it's important that we understand what that, the history of that term is and, and how, it's, how it's used and how, it's, how it should be used, or if at all. <laughs> so, yeah, you can go ahead. So, um, yeah. So, I will I will call intersex. I will link it to a term that, um, called Siamese twins, right? So, Siamese twins is an old term from a time where people who were who had developmental complications were exploited. Um, I mean, we still are, but that's a different. Um, conversation, um, and put in freak shows, right? Because they weren't hireable. And so Siamese twins came, uh, is a term for what's actually called conjoined twins. And what's happening when you say there are, you know, sex is a spectrum is you're pointing at people that have developmental um, complications, and you're saying that they are like Siamese twins. And um, sorry, I will explain the metaphor better. <laughs> so, if you were to say this human, there are humans with two heads, 
right? And you would point at a Siamese twin and go, see, here's a human with two heads. But in reality, it is two humans, each with one individual head. And they are not Siamese twins, they are conjoined twins. And it is... Um, and that's how I would like to move the quote-unquote term intersex, because as discussed earlier, that term is a vague term that is um, that denotes a small group of people with different developmental complications, and where there's a discordance between um, either karyotype and phenotype. Or there is um, a um, developmental complication in where there is ambiguous genitalia. So those are a very small group of people. And each specific person that may have one of these conditions, when they go to a physician, when they read up on scientific literature, they shouldn't be looking up the term intersex. They should be looking up specific language um, related to their condition. And most people who use the term intersex do not use it that way. They use it as a political term. Um, and they group in DSDs, most of which are not ambiguously male or female. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me. So I don't think we should be using that term anymore. Um, I just think that, you know, you can say that there is a small group of people with DSDs that have a discordance with their sexual characteristics. They are still male or female. And that is true. Um, and that their political needs, their, you know, uh, social psycho needs have nothing to do with um, people who are trans or have a gender identity because it is not the same experience at all. Um, at the end of the day, right, we are a gonochoric species. We, um, there are two sexes, and humans can't change their sex. And that has personal, political, biological um, consequences that we have to deal with and live with. Um, and we should not be putting things into law and policies that disregard this um, because it is detrimental to, I think, um, society, um, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, th that is my two cents, at least. I just want to add, we had... Um a friend of ours write an article on the Paradox Institute about uterus transplants in males. And it's so insane to me that there are people like you and other people with other DSDs. And there are so many like life-threatening issues and so many like challenges when it comes to fertility and things like that. And instead of putting the focus there on people who need the help <laughs> we're looking into trying to do these things straight out of frankenstein it's kind of like crazy to me that they want to use live donors and 
everything else to try and put these organs that really can't function in the opposite sex body. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. The implications of that are insane. When we've got so many people who are female or male that need these like actual, like medical procedures and, and research and everything into their conditions to improve quality of life and to even save lives. And we're just not doing that. And there's a stigma that I know from being friends with you and other people with DSDs that, oh, we, we can't medicalize these conditions. These conditions do need medicine in so many cases, and it, it is criminally negligent to, like, remove those things from insurance coverage, from, uh, like, research and everything else that I've heard about. I know uh, Days Gone By has talked about it with me, um, how her insurance has removed coverage for her condition and things like that because activists basically made it so it was demedicalized and um it, I, I don't know it's just it's really heartbreaking to see this happening and it's all because of something completely unrelated like trans people have nothing to do with people who have DSDs like there may might be some people who are trans that have a DSD but as far as like the medical realm like they are not related in that way yeah there's that backwards focus that's created where people who do not have any disorder of sex development they have typical reproductive development that the healthcare focus and the research focus is on them even for things like uterine transplants And yet the focus on people with DSDs who actually do have serious medical conditions, they're just left out to dry, basically. And it's so awful that there's that focus on insurance, that insurance is more focused on the trans needs than the needs of those with DSDs. And it's just like flipping the script, basically. We're like, we're going to help treat this condition that exists in your mind, but not treat a physical condition that actually exists in your reproductive system that needs to be directly treated. And yeah, it's worse than that. Um, It's hypocritical because our, our conditions are invoked um, and it, it doesn't, that's also the thing is they will invoke all conditions and will pick the one that best suits their argument um, at any given time and mix up, you know, the experiences of, for example, like James with his condition and Katie with hers um, and mine, they will, you know, go to mine because of the karyotype and then they'll jump to Katie's because of the missing uterus and then we'll go to James for, you know, so they don't really care. (laughs) Um, And what's worse is that orgs that are supposed to represent our needs um, are getting caught up and eaten by this. And it's beyond hypocritical because there's a saying, right, um, in prominent quote-unquote intersex activist groups, delay is okay. (laughs) And I'm like, so 
you understand that there's consequences of surgery and playing with hormone levels and puberty blockers because we've dealt with that, right? I've had to take birth control since 17 and that comes with its consequences, right? And so, you know, (laughs) and yet you are willing to push for 13-year-olds to get, you know, mastectomies or be put on puberty blockers or, you know, undergo this huge, um, you know, adult decision. um, And you're not even giving them all the information, you know, Um, because I'm here thinking, my God, I have all these, you know, things that I've had to deal with my whole life because of my condition and I see someone who is going to basically opt into that because and mess with their perfectly healthy sexual development and all I want to do is scream you don't know what you're taking for granted and you don't know what you're messing with um and so I'm like I don't think that these people that are you know hypocritically saying delay is okay and then saying yeah like protect trans youth and allow all of this to happen you know, you know, pick one. Either, you know, we can be performing these surgeries and be messing with sexual development, or we leave it alone. You know, um, but you can't like you can't be advocating for both simultaneously, um, and especially, you know, these advocates that claim to know the consequences and that cry about these, you know, interventions, you have no right to align yourself with a group of people who are advocating for basically interventions. Um, and that that's just how I see it. And I can't see it any other way. Um, you know, like I, I saw this um, post about, you know, there was a um, mother and her child who was trans and there was this um they were celebrating the fact that her child was going through early menopause and I'm like that is you know insane to me as somebody who has had to you know learn at 17 about something I couldn't control and that I basically went through early menopause without you know being able to have any say in it and just see people advocating into that um it it was heartbreaking and you know um it goes back to what my doctor said and you know my doctor (laughs) was very kind and firm with me and she said either this is hormonal and we can treat it or this is genetic and there's nothing you can do so I have to be the adult and deal with the consequences of the fact that I have this condition, the consequences of my sexual development and my chromosomes and, you know, what that comes with. And I would not want to lie to others because I don't think it's helpful. And there are days where the consequences of the sex binary are very painful. And, you know, but... At the end of the day, living in reality has been how I have grown up. 
and accepted myself for who I am and what I am, you know? Um, and this activism that I see online and why I decided to come online and speak out goes against all of that and is very much, I feel, a slap to the face to all the pain that I have gone through and others with ESCs have gone through. Um, so I, I really wish they would stop invoking us, right? Because we are a consequence of the binary. <laughs> yeah, this whole discussion has reminded me of the fact that there's this pattern of just muddying knowledge I and mean, muddying the details of these conditions for activist purposes and ideological purposes. And I really liked your Siamese twin uh, analogy because just like that term, intersex is also used as a way to muddy things. It's not clear at all. It is based on a misrepresentation and misunderstanding of what those conditions are. Just like how the Siamese twin, oh, it's it's one person with two heads? No, it's two different people who are conjoined. And that term is fundamentally misunderstanding, either willfully or just being ignorant of what that condition is. Same thing with intersex. It's used so much to muddy knowledge, to say that these people are just ambiguous. We don't know what sex they are. And so, therefore, people who identify as the opposite sex you're completely validated 100% in every single way. Like, it's just, it's such a mess. And that's why it's so important that when we do talk about DSDs or do talk about intersex, that we're talking about and mention specific conditions and we get into the details and we're asking questions. Oh, what condition are you talking about? Things like that. Because that will help shine a light on what we're trying to uh, explain and explore these conditions instead of just lumping them all together under one big broad brush, which doesn't provide any accurate medical treatment or help. It's not helpful at all for anything really. So yeah, um, go ahead, Turner. And then after that, we're going to open up for questions and comments with the audience. And I know we have a few requests there too. So, yep. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it, again, because I've been taking notes about what you've been saying, um, it's funny, you mentioned that sex development um, genes, right, are not solely attached to X and Y. And um, I say this often, but sexual development is basically the process, right, of going from childhood to adulthood, right? of maturation and when you mess with that process you're messing with systems that are tied to your cardiovascular system your muscular skeletal system your digestive system um and so it is it is all tied together right so one of the consequences that i have to deal with is i have to go get my heart checked every year because um, I can have some serious heart com heart complications that could kill me. Um, there's a slight, um, yeah, there's a slight um, wide um, widening of. Anyway, not I'll, um, I'll send links and stuff elsewhere, but um, it has to be monitored if it gets any bigger, right? 
And that's something that I stress about every year because I have to go to the cardiologist and I'm like, is it going to get worse? Um, and I have to be exceedingly careful with, um, you know, my um, eating and exercise routine because I have to take care of that. Um, I've had to grieve um, the loss of fertility. And um, like I was mentioning um, in the beginning, the reason why I had to do that sonogram was because uh, women with Turner syndrome can go through renal failure, right? Um, there's uh, this condition called horseshoe kidney in which your kidneys are um, developed together and they don't separate. And that's common. Um, well, it can happen to women with Turner syndrome. And so, you know, these are the things I'd rather be discussing and that I'd rather come up when you're talking about Turner syndrome, right? Um, I'd rather you talk about academic support for those of us who have um, learning disabilities. I'd rather you talk about, you know, um, body acceptance, right? And peer support groups um, and not this whole conversation about, you know, um, proving or disproving something that has is evident and will always be evident that is before humans and after humans, which is the fact that sex is binary. Um, I wish our conditions would be spoken about outside of that, you know, um, and be about us and not about validating someone's self-perception that they want to, um, you know, manifest <laughs> through, you know, um, unethical means personally, I think. So those are my two cents. There are a few people here in the audience that also have DSDs um, that I will let up and they can speak about their experience. And I just wanna thank everybody for coming in and, and listening. Um, and I want to thank Zach and Cynthia who have been super supportive. Um, and, you know, Zach has, you know, made a lot of different resources pulled together from, um, you know, different papers that have been written that say everything that we're saying, right, that exists within that reality that humans can't change sex and there are two sexes and that these developmental pathways are, um, you know, um, shown and highlighted through um, through these conditions. So um, thank you, guys. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Sin. Thanks, Sixo. Really appreciate it. So first, I want to move to Katie in Boston. And she has um, something to say that she's, she's requested to speak. We talked earlier about something that uh, when I talked about the division of DSDs into three different categories, chromosomal, 46XX, and 46XY. I don't know if this is why she wanted to speak, but this is one of the things that I talked about with her, that it does create a lot of confusion, those three categories, and she might want to elucidate that and talk about that. So you're on, Katie. Thank you so much, Zach, and thank you so much to my friend Exo, who's such a champion for all of us. Um, I agree with everything you said, and thank you so much for for just saying it so eloquently. Um, I just had a couple of things I wanted to say, and of course I'm happy to answer any questions, but um, the first is in response to what Zach had just said. One of the things that has become evident to me lately is the architecture of how DSDs are 
sort of grouped is confusing. So, for example, there are other DSDs that affect um, the malarian development of females. And I think, for example, my condition is better grouped with those other malarian conditions where, you know, Turner's and Kleinfelter's are chromosomal conditions. And probably there are other ways to group DSDs so that people better understand what we're talking about. Um, So that's sort of that point. But um, just back to what you guys were saying about the uterine transplants, it's really something that is so upsetting for me because, you know, um, (laughs) I personally was born with a, you know, underdeveloped uterus. Not all women with MRKH are born without a uterus. In fact, most have some uterine development, but I don't have a uterus that works for childbirth at all. And so I have to have a transplant if I want to have a baby that way. And, um, you know, years and years have gone by where, you know, someone my age is not going to get a uterine transplant now, but younger girls with my condition can get one and are getting them. And I just feel like I don't understand how we've been bypassed. And now the whole conversation is about giving uterine transplants to males who can't even probably use them ever. So that's the first, the second thing. And then the third thing is just back to the point on medical coverage. I don't begrudge anyone anything. I don't hate trans people. I just don't understand why insurance will cover sex reassignment surgery for trans people. But then if I want to have a surrogate or if I want to freeze my eggs... There's no coverage for me, but I was born unable to do that, to do those things without, you know, fertility assistance. And so I don't understand how we've just been lost in the shuffle here and no one seems to care or notice. And so I just feel that intersex and trans have taken over reproductive development conditions and sucked up all the oxygen. And it's just not a conversation that really has anything to do with actual DSD conditions. So thank you, Zach, for the floor. I really appreciate that. That is also true. Um, insurance will cover, um, depending on you know where you're at, they're, they're pushing for coverage for transition. Um, and yet those of us with DSDs, you know, are not covered for things like um, freezing our eggs or hormones that we may need to actually survive. Um, and... Also, I also want to second, we do not hate trans people and never will. Because if I hated trans people, I would be telling you, yeah, go mess with your sexual development. Go transition. That's a smart idea. If I hated you, that's what I would be telling you. Just so we're clear, right? Um, <laughs> I just want to clarify that. And thank you, Katie, for bringing up the issue that we are missing coverage and support for our medical needs. Again, very important. Hey, uh, that XXY man, you can go next. I know you wanted to, well, I know that you have discussed before the fact that you have been treated uh, at doctors in a way that is not helpful, where they they were basically telling you that you did not need medical treatment or or hormones or things like that, where your condition does require you to take hormones. Um, If you want to talk about that, you you can. I just wanted to uh, get that out there. I know that's something that you mentioned before. 
Hi, uh, um, yeah, uh, thanks for setting this um, space up. It's been really great and totally agree with everything so far. Um, I just want to put out there that this is just coming from a personal perspective. I'm in a total personal capacity at the moment. Um, I stopped activism last month uh, due to severe health complaints. So I'm only on here really just to, you know, every now and again. <laughs> but yeah, um, I started having a lot of health issues when I was younger um, from learning severe learning difficulties um, all the way through to, to developing gynecomastia in my early teens um, and a lot of other issues like obviously not developing like other peers of mine and other boys in, in school where a lot of them were growing facial hair. Um, <laughs> I did none of that and was quite effeminate I guess in a way um not to say that I was female at all but I got a lot of stick for it a lot of bullying um it's a painful period of my life that I really don't dwell on put it that way especially the bullying in for physical education lessons um being taunted the way my body looked when I took off my shirts to the point where I didn't go uh, I hate sports now because of that um but yeah I was when I got told by my mum, eventually you need to go and see a doctor about this. This is obviously not, something's not right here. Um, and I remember, I, was, I think I was 17, about maybe 16, 17 when I went in. And the doctor had a look at me and he was, he was looking at, like, really, he said, take your shirt off, let me look. Oh, yeah, they're just moobs. Um, and also the way that you, you haven't grown hair. It's just a, 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 just a developmental issue that will probably sort itself out so I was like all right okay because as a teenager hearing that you, you trust your doctors usually you trust that they know what they're talking about but even back then and this was what over six uh, over coming be over 18 years ago this was so it's quite modern if you think about it it's quite recent um and you know to be re-referred in my 30s because I got diagnosed at the age of 32 so <laughs> well over 10 years later 15 years later in fact um it wasn't a shock but at the same time I was so disappointed in the doctors that I had for not you know telling me the bloody truth and the other thing is because of that late diagnosis I have developed a lot of issues um most recent issue being my heart <sighs> which I totally relate to Turner, but it's, it's happened to me without realising it last month. So I'm not happy at all. And it's the reason why I've cut back on a lot of my activism to be a healthier person, basically. Um, but no, I've, I've got an early onset of osteoporosis that I'm hoping will, will sort itself out with the medication I'm now on, which took ages to get. I mean, I was told that I would need TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, last year. Um, and I was put on a massive waiting list um, to even get that started, which was frightening for me. Um, but yeah, being told, you know, that it is difficult because from a personal perspective, activism aside i just want like the rest of my friends with dsd conditions i just want us to be understood better i just i mean i essentially just want 
younger me's, so people, children and teenagers, to, to be treated better than what I was treated like by the medical professionals. Um, and I'm really worried also that the ideology of, of gender identity and the intersex um, activists, you know, trying to tell, you know, young men with Kleinfelder syndrome that they, they are somehow more female or less male. Like I hear this quite often. I've intercepted it when I came back onto Twitter, um, being told that I'm not 100% male. <laughs> and it's so demeaning and so hurtful when people say that to me. It's like, I am a man. I'm no different. My sex is no different to an XY male or any other male for that matter. And to be, you know, attacked constantly by these gender ideologists, they, and there's one of the biggest hypocrisies that I see actually, because a lot of these individuals, they moan on about being misgendered and they cry about it and say it's a massive crime and that it's causing genocide. And yet at the same time, they're telling and, and doing mantras like trans men are men, but then turning around and saying to men with DSD conditions, oh, yeah, you're not 100% male. You're not really a man. Um, you know, you, you, you're a eunuch. I've been told a eunuch or however you say it, being told that I'm that um, or biologically non-binary. It's like get a grip. It's so hypo it's full of hip hypocrisy. Um, and it, it just, it basically is just lies to, to spread this sort of ideology of feelings, basically. And, you know, my condition isn't feelings. It's a very real biological condition that needs very real medical treatment. Um, and I think like, likewise, a lot of my fellow friends with DSDs agree, you know, we, we are born you know these congenital conditions we've suffered enough throughout our lives had trauma pain i mean i get pain in my gonads quite often because my testes are deformed as well i mean i don't want that i get it quite a lot it's not nice um drives me quite mad to be absolutely honest with you um but yeah putting other issues aside you know i just wish people would just just treat us as human beings with medical conditions rather than pawns in some sort of messed up, warped ideology that, you know, is helping nobody. It really isn't. But yeah, that's just my two cents anyway. But I'll let someone else speak. But thanks, Zach. Um, and it's nice to speak to hear your voice again, Turner. Miss you, Nick. Yeah, that's a great point about the hypocrisy. It's not mentioned enough, I don't think. And it is so important to focus on that, you know, they will just completely blow up about misgendering. But then when it comes to people with, with males and females with DSDs, they will spend no issue with like just completely missexing these people and saying that a person with atypical chromosomes is for some reason not a male or female. So next I want to go to James. And then from there, we'll go to DD. Oh, th <clears throat> thank you for, for having this space, Zach. It's, it's really helpful. Uh, yeah, I'm James, and um, I was born with a, which was formerly called a pituitary condition, but now has been lumped into everything else. Um, I was born with something called hypogonadic hypogonadism, and most all DSCs, including Turner's and, 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 um, and 
Klein's elders have hypogonadism. Uh, mine is just specific to uh, my my uh, pituitary gland not stimulating my uh, testicles to produce androgen, or in females it doesn't produce uh, estrogen. So we don't go through puberty. So essentially, we're born castrated. It actually used to be called eunuch syndrome uh, uh, back in the day, and since we're using these terms now that were just uh, horrible terms, but they're being resurrected. Um, so I'm all with rage now after WPATH um, released that eunuch thing. Now, now, and I, I've I actually got somebody who was uh, some uh, trans person who was just totally obsessing over my condition, which was a little creepy, but you know that's that's what you get. Um, so basically, my condition is treated with uh, the right sex, which uh, if you're male, you just put the uh, put androgen. If you're female, you put estrogen, and then it comes with infertility and, and learning disabilities. And if you have the genetic uh, a condition called Kalman syndrome, you have a complete lack of smell, which is which is actually quite quite life altering. Uh, you can't smell gas stoves, or it's it's just quite a quite a bad bad thing to have with no no smell. That's because the uh, the smell glands don't develop in the pituitary. Mine was develop. Mine was unknown. They don't understand the way I, I, why I got it. They just know I, I somehow got it. So it's um, just of unknown causes. So another thing that has to be clarified, all these surgeries, you know, that the intersex, uh, you know, well, basically the um, people talk about like dilation and hormones, um, you know, Kalman and Klein, Kleinfelders, the, the, the people, uh, who discovered these conditions also developed uh, things like androgen uh, to um, to treat them. So they, so these these conditions were treated with androgen, and they were developed, and estrogen was developed to treat health conditions uh, like this, uh, and also dilation and all those other surgeries. They originally came from people who had uh, maldeveloped um, sex organs to, 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 to operate them. Now there, there are instances where they're misused and bad surgeries and all that all happens, but that's not the majority. So, and, uh, the other thing I want to say is a lot of the, um, um, uh, detransitioners are complaining about symptoms related to hypogonadism. So when you hear osteoporosis, um, Osteoporosis is caused by hypogonadism. It's caused by uh, the lack of uh, uh, androgen or estrogen. And when you give cross-sex hormones to people uh, who have who haven't gone through puberty, you risk doing that. Matter of fact, uh, there is a I heard of several several kids in the in Sweden who have osteoporosis male males at 16 years old, which is which is unheard of, a male having osteoporosis at 16 years old. One, and there's five levels of, uh, four levels of osteoporosis. One was so severe, uh, his uh, spinal cord collapsed, and now he's bedridden and in pain all the time. And osteoporosis is irreversible. It can be treated. But once you, once you go down that osteoporosis path, uh, you can't reverse the damage. So um, this is something that's going to start coming uh, happening to people who go through gender affirming care, and this is this is one thing that's going to be com- it's going to be hard to it's going very hard for them to avoid all these health consequences that keep cr- uh, popping up. And if you watch that documentary on Trans Train, you'll see that there's 
uh, heart conditions that develop with uh, estrogen in, in males. There's all sorts of conditions that are going to start developing over the years uh, from these uh, misused treatments. So anyway, th that's all I, I wanted to say. Thanks. Could you post a, a link to that um, documentary, James? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link to the documentary. Um, Thank you so much. Um, XO, you wanted to speak? I did, because I just wanted to point out, um, you know, again, um, for people who study biology, for people who are scientifically minded, right, there's uh, observations that, you know, I'm sure James and I have made through because of our conditions. And one of them, like James was saying, because of Kalman's, the sense of smell is affected by male and female sexual development, right? Um, for Turner's, a common thing that happens with women in Turner's is that we can go deaf, right? So how males and females perceive the world and interact with the world, you know, is sewn into our male and female development, right? And believing this isn't, you know, bigotry and isn't meant to push people into being the type of person. It is observation of the world so that we can make good decisions. Um, and because it has consequences, right? It has personal, political, biological consequences. And when you're talking about the binary, you're talking about fundamental fact of how life reproduces and how we all got here. And it is an evolutionary understanding of the world. It is not a religious or emotional one. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. You know, it how we perceive the world is impacted by male and female development, just as these conditions impact hearing and smell, right? So just wanted to point that out. Thanks, XO. Uh, Freya, you're up, and then we'll uh, have Problem Being speak after that. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Love all of you guys. I, I've enjoyed the space. I agree with 99% of everything you said, and instead of arguing over the 1%, I wanted to add to the conversation instead of trying to take away from it. Um, another problem that we've been seeing also popping up and getting more popularity is non-binary uh, non affirming care models that have been popping up and arguments we've been arguing against forever. Like since they started coming out and it started conflating it even more, <clears throat> where you have them doing uh, what's called nullification surgeries. And I'd love to get commentary upon that. So with nullification surgeries, you have penectomies or conectomies, um, double mastectomies where they intentionally remove both nipples. Um, and it, even as trans, it's everything trans is argued against for their surgical care because you're just cutting off the healthy body parts. You're, you're not seeking further feminization. You're not doing anything with it. You're throwing them in the garbage can. On top of that, they have phallus-preserving vaginal plasties to conflate the intersex argument. And I remember the one website I like to quote a lot tells you that it gives you a fully functional vagina. And my first comment 
and thought was what's functional to you at that point, especially with the conflation and the misinformation from the medical community that has made this problem even worse when it comes down to the misunderstanding. As all of you know, I am trans, but I'm deeply rooted in my biological reality. And my DSD condition, unfortunately, has proved that. And everyone who's gone down the HRT path and transition has to know that it shuts down that part of your anatomy when you're going the opposite, opposite sex route. And that's why you have atrophy coming into play from testicular atrophy to um, atrophy of the uterus and, and having to have those parts removed, like with several male to female trans and male, uh, female to male. And it's just insane that we have this disconnect from the truth on the situation that they're taking. You have shapeshifter was told that they could completely change their sex in every sense of the word and people that are misled by the medical community. And let's be real when it comes down to the funding of research. There's only so much money for that gets put into actual research versus leaving the system as is to make money and profit off of people and their suffering. And because it's such a small, minute proportion that are suffering from DSDs, they just don't have the money that they could be making. And then we have people pushed into this space to get these surgeries and think this is the way and are misled by the medical professionals themselves. It just creates an even worse situation that's causing problems for all sides. And I agree with Turner and everyone else on, I would love to see the term intersex removed completely from the conversation because of how misleading it has been proven to be and how detrimental it has been for everyone. Thanks, Freya. So let's go to Dee Dee first because she was uh, had been requesting and wanting to speak for a while and then we'll get to problem being after that. Okay, hi everyone. You know, I've always wanted to be in a space talking about, you know, DSDs. Um, okay, so like I, I don't I don't remember which, you know, island this was, but it was one of the, the Caribbean islands, right? Either was it it was either the Dominican Republic or Haiti. But like, you know, it had a very large community of people with DSDs. And so people nobody ever knew why this was the case, but like, you know, what people ended, one of the popular theories right now, like the most pop supported one by the scientists, is that there's an enzyme deficiency happening with the pregnant women in the island. And it got me thinking about how, you know, with this idea of like, you know, the gender politics, how they affect real life and like the consequences of the sex binary. People, ha you guys have been talking in the beginning of the space, you were talking about you know, things like vaginal atrophy, Exo was, t was talking about her kidneys, death, you know, um, you know, real medical things. Even, you know, XX male here was talking about, you know, having um, a defo deformed testicles. And it's like, you know, thinking about like, you know, the women in, the, in, in those islands and like the pregnant women and the children they give birth to, those kids that end up having DSDs and are raised you know, this way or that way, depending on like, you know, the, how the parents feel about like their gender or whatever. 
I remember one story of a guy who grew up, you know, being raised as a girl, treated like a girl, didn't identify with being a girl, but that's a story for another day. And then when it was discovered that like he was actually he was actually a, a boy, like he leaned into that and embraced it, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day he was still a boy with um a micro penis. And it's like, you know, people say, celebrate that you're special, you're different, you're non-binary. And like, you know, all in the name of gender politics, politics, all in the name of feelings. But that would be like, you know, telling somebody like XX male to celebrate the fact that he has, you know, deformed testes. Why should that guy have to celebrate the fact that he has a micro penis? And in all of this bullshit of like, you know, be this fake positivity in order to protect the feelings of like, cis hetero you know men without dsd all of them with perfectly healthy functional bodies and and genitalia you kind of like you know throwing guys like him mothers like the women in in those countries and those islands and children like that under the bus because while you're all all over here busy celebrating this shit like a good thing who's going to do the job and the work it takes to research this stuff and you know figure out treatments cures and stuff like that like who if it is an enzyme deficiency like they're saying or even a vitamin deficiency what do you or it's probably an easy fix you know what if we just sent all those women vitamin d uh, supplements what if the government you know gave all of them prenatal vitamins what if they were given those enzymes? I buy enzymes, you know, for my uh, gut tract and stuff like that. Would we see a drop in kids born with DSDs in the in these countries, in these in these um, islands? Maybe I don't know, but I think that's worth figuring out. That's worth trying, but we're not even gonna try because things like this they require they require the activism to make you know about it, right? They require people speaking about it, educating on it so that people can be moved. And when people are moved, that's when people get involved. That's when the doctors get involved. That's when people give their money. That's when people talk about it. And that's when something actually happens. And and, 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 and I see that like, you know, activists for people with DSD, DSD activists can't even get there because they're busy fighting the battle of misinformation. When I was a kid, I grew up thinking, I didn't know what a person with DSD was. I didn't know what a person who a person who was trans was. And then, like, you know, we used to watch this popular show in South Africa on ETV. It was called Ripley's Believe It or Not. And on one episode, they were talking about somebody who was both a man and a woman, people who were intersex. And that was the last I heard of it until, you know, the hangover happened. The Hangover, the movie series that was really popular, trilogy. In the in the sequel, um, they all go to Bangkok and they meet, you know, a whole bunch of lady boys. And I used to think, oh, so there are women in this world, chicks with dicks, women with breasts, women who are women just like me, except they have penises. And I thought that was like a real thing because, you know, I was a child and I was uneducated. And, you know, I went through my SJW period when I was a teenager. So I went around talking about hermaphrodites and how we need to have empathy for them. And, you know, some women can have dicks or whatever. And, you know, it was all with good intentions, right? You know, I did it I did it as a kid because I wanted to make this world a more tolerant and easier place for, you know, the marginalized amongst us. 
but I didn't know that at the time that I was spreading misinformation, you know, and like I'm thinking about, you know, DST activists that have been fighting for years, you know, speaking about like their, their experiences, their lives, trying to educate people about the science behind like, you know, their conditions, trying to get people moved so that they can like, you know, take action to, you know, provide, diagnose the stuff earlier so that people like Exo Turner can get uh, the human growth, growth hormone earlier. Because Exo told me that like, um, I don't Exo told me, I remember we were talking about the human growth hormone and how it's prescribed with people with DSD disorders. She can't take it anymore because like, you know, it's too old. She's too old, according to her doctors. They're saying at this point it'll do more harm. I was told that uh, at 17, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, because the doctor said it would not be a good idea for me to take growth hormones because at that point I was pretty much done um, getting taller and growing. So, but imagine, yeah. but imagine if like you got it when you were younger. Imagine if they had diagnosed you when you were younger. You know, imagine if somebody took action when those when those women were pregnant in those islands and gave them the proper prenatal vitamins that they needed, whether it's enzymes or whatever. Imagine if somebody was actually researching this stuff. Imagine if people like, you know, imagine if people were, were educated about the, the stuff in sex health class. Would children have been kinder, more empathetic to to boys like XX in their in their schools where people have been kinder more empathetic to other kids with dsds and it's like you can't even get there in you know dsd activism because you're fighting the war against uh, misinformation and now the war has intensified after all that work to you know eradicate the word intersex after all the work to let's take like you know even the term assigned sex at birth right a science sex at birth has nothing to do with people like the Vern cox who are born healthy visible male children it is about you know the kids who are misdiagnosed and misassigned at birth with um you know a sex identity a gender identity because of like you know their ambiguous genitalia and i'm not saying that like you know uh, what a tragedy it is that a little boy was 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 raised with dresses and was given a, a girl's name. I'm, I'm I'm talking about the fact that like you know it gets so bad that kids very very young are given you know surgeries that 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 a lot of them say that they don't need right. I'm talking about kids who very very young, let's say little boys, right, are are raised as girls, and then like they're they're forced to get married like girls and i'm not saying that's a bad that's bad because they're boys but like imagine being forced to get married number one but on top of that you're forced to get married to another man as a man and like and and like and and, and then your penis comes out later because of like i don't know puberty or some shit like that and now like all this extra shit is happening too right or you know you don't get the help that you need and you're infertile you're infertile but like it, there was a chance that you could have been that that, that 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 you could have been made fertile or treated but you don't get that treatment people don't even know a lot of people even educated people doctors don't even know that your condition is real because of misinformation right 
So when we were talking about people, you know, assigned sex at birth, we were talking about people like, I would say, Castor Semenya. Because I think Castor Semenya is somebody who's a victim of gaslighting their entire fucking life. You know, I feel like the government, I feel like his coach, I feel like his doctors, everyone fucking lied to him just so that they can create, just so that they can pretend like South Africa can can produce a gold, a gold medalist, right? I feel like, you know, can you, I, I remember this story and I'm about to finish because I know I take long. I remember the story I was watching on um, reality television. No, it was one of, one of those Oprah types of shows. And they were re- interviewing like these twins who, you know, one of them was accidentally maimed uh, during um, during circumcision. And like the doctors, assholes that they were covering their own asses, decided to, you know, refer the kid to and, they, and their parents to um, a gender psychiatrist, whatever type. Of, he was like Sigmund Freud, basically. And he thought, you know, nurture over nature, right? If I raised, he wanted to experiment on these kids and basically raise the child as a girl and see if they would accept that that identity as a girl. And one of the many things that he did was, you know, encourage the parents to like, you know, cut off the rest of his penis, right? Basically Basically raise him as a girl, put him in dresses. And on top of that, did sexual experiments and simulated sex between the, the the two twins and like you know years later when he found out like you know I'm, I'm a man yada yada and accepted it for those few years that like he lived as a man you know before he committed suicide again sorry to that person he was happy wearing a man wearing men's clothes he got married he adopted kids he built a life for himself and I and, and he built a life for himself. That is what we mean when we're talking about people who are misassigned sex at birth. The people like him who are maimed. People like, you know, um, Castor Semenya who are gaslit. People like, you know, the other aforementioned, you know, man or woman who... I remember. I even remember this other story. Let me finish, let me finish. But I remember this other story of a girl in America who was raised as a boy her entire life. And, you know... When she finally decided to have sex and she thought she was a gay man having sex, she got pregnant. And I'm not saying that pregnancy or teen pregnancy isn't shocking or traumatic for female children or children who are raised girls, right? But can you imagine thinking you're a boy your entire life and like, you know, going through the work and all of that shit to accept your identity as a gay boy, you know, you're attracted to boys and you have sex for the first time and then you get pregnant? Like that, that is what we're talking about when we're talking about people who are assigned sex at birth, but instead it's appropriated by people like Laverne Cox or whatever, or what's his face? Um, I remember this person from, from, from Pose, Angelica Ross, who say, you know, I was traumatized. I missed out on being a woman because I never developed womanly hips. You never develop womanly hips because you're a man. You know, it's like when they it's like when they talk about, you know, women with PCOS or hormonal imbalances that end up growing like beards and facial hair. You know, when we talk about accepting women for like their bodies and like even their body hair, even facial hair, we were talking about them. 
you're not you're, you're growing a beard because you're a man she's growing a beard because of a medical condition you're typical she's atypical you know like you're not a woman with pcos you're a man okay and you weren't assigned you weren't assigned male at birth you are male and 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 now you know terms like that are being appropriated of course which further goes into the war against misinformation which further like if all the bullshit they talk about you know we're for gender we're for the people of genders like we're for like people with intersex and bsds or whatever they do the most harm against the against the movements the activism for children for people with dsds like 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 think about like i remember i need to finish and this is my final point i remember when there was like a i think there was like an artificial hormone um deficiency not deficiency shortage in the uk they 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 ran out of estrogen that estrogen is for women going through menopause that estrogen is for women surviving cancer who have had like her, their ovaries or like their or, or or their wombs removed that estrogen is for women and, even, and maybe even men with dsd or, or sexual development like disorders and now those people are not going to get their medicine those people are having to face a shortage because like their medication is being abused by people that don't even medically need it. It's like I have ADHD and it's like, you know, ADHD is heavily regulated now. We can't, we the people who have it can't get Adderall. We can't get our medication. We can't get Concetra without a, without this doctor's notes or that doctor's notes. You need to go through all these checks and balances. At one point, there was a shortage. And you know why? Because everyone and their mother was abusing our medication. Children in school abusing our medication. Athletes abusing our medication. Even drug addicts abusing our medication. Okay, I'm done. Um, I wanted to add that the doctor you were talking about was um, John Money and the victim of his experimentation that you're uh, referencing was David Reimer. And uh, it wasn't only him who ended up taking his own life, but his brother later also took his own life um, because of the trauma from the sexual abuse that they both suffered. And yeah, the, the, these experimentations, it, it's never a good thing and should be avoided as much as possible on did. So I want to go to XXY Man and then Katie and then Turner. And then after that, we're going to open up the open up for questions with the audience, just general questions or specific questions, and we'll wrap up from there. Thank you, Zach. Um, I just wanted to talk about more about the intersex uh, term. Um, when I was an activist, I, I did talk about the term and its connotations and its historical connotations. And one of the things with it, it, it was coined uh, over 100 years ago, uh, is, it is very outdated. It is a misnomer. So it, it tries to make out that we're between sexes, which is not true, obviously. Um, and um, in 2002, 
conditions such as myself, my, my the Kleinfeld I have, weren't even listed as intersex. In 2002, the Intersex Society of North America, ISNA, went to vote on inclu- including Kleinfelter syndrome as an intersex condition on the basis of one individual that wanted to identify as intersex. Now, I spoke to my friends across the globe who have Kleinfelter, and in particular Graham in New Zealand, who is an outspoken Kleinfelter activist or XXY activist, um, and he disputed this back in 2002, and quite a few men with Kleinfelter disputed ISNA and said, no, it's not an intersex condition, it is a reproductive disorder. And they were shut down. And this is how dubious gender identity, um, the whole ideology behind it, the intersex organizations across the globe. And this is how um, manipulative um, uh, liars they are, um, because they went ahead and they included Kleinfelter. They ignored the vast majority of men with Kleinfelter who said no over just one person, one man's opinion who identified differently. Um, So obviously for years now, Graham um, and many other activists for Kleinfelter have been battling this and saying, look, it's not intersex. Our conditions are not, we don't have ambiguous genitalia. That's just not true at all. We are males. Uh, Kleinfelter only affects males. (laughs) Um, And it's, it just goes to show how bad it is. Now, the term intersex back in the 90s, uh, 80s and 90s, was it was actually quite progressive. It did tr- wake people up, so to speak, and about our conditions and that they were not like being trans. So there was some good which came out of intersex. Um, using the terms like DSD, umbrella terms like DSD or CCSD, as Alex, uh, days ago, gone, go by, uh, has uses, um, you know, with those terms are not safe still um the act the gender ideologists will colonize anything and everything they just they won't stop they're using intersex at the moment they're already using dsds and making out that being trans is a type a type of dsd and it's like i mean i think cynthia and i have seen this i I think freya has as well and we've been like well no they're not um, <laughs> trying to explain what you know the the crucial difference is, um, but I believe the only fit way we can actually sort this mess out is to reclaim. I hate the term intersex. Don't get me wrong, I hate it. It's a misnomer. It, it causes more issues. But I believe in reclaiming Ray, um, who's Aphrodite's offspring, who has pace. She's turned around and said, "No, we we need to reclaim this term." I know she hates it as well, but we need to reclaim intersex even though it doesn't really (laughs) mean anything to any of us especially um uh, women like katie whose conditions aren't even intersex (laughs) mrkh has nothing to do with you know intersex it's just a reproductive condition um katie's about to rip her head off for that one just so you know katie's about to rip your head off for that oh yeah katie will bite i know um i i i know katie's opinion on intersex terms uh, i totally agree with her but i just think that the only way to 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 deal with these gender activists these and 
some of the trans ideologists out there is to reclaim these terms back from them and say, no, this is not what it means. And basically use it for historical knowledge and say, this is what it used to mean. This is the historical connotation of this term and take it back from them forcefully if necessary. I mean, I'm, I'll mind you, my body wouldn't cope with that. Um, it's, it, that's the, in terms like intersex really don't help individuals like myself because it does try to make out like we're something we're not um and it's all for a sociological identity and feelings and it's just it's not clinical medical science intersex is a non-medical term it's not you know it's nothing it's just a political identity i guess in a way for, which was used in the 80s and 90s um and it was an umbrella term for numerous uh, conditions you know um and i just find it funny when people nowadays on twitter go oh i'm intersex and i'm sat there thinking yeah so i mean i can say that i don't know i've got one of the hundred different (laughs) issues with disabilities going it's like someone saying i've got a disability and people are like oh what's that then it's the same thing with intersex is someone goes oh i'm intersex you're thinking well what is it because there's over 40 different conditions and each one is different there is a severity factor within each one. Like there are some men with Kleinfelter syndrome that don't really display any symptoms. Some are very lucky and are even fertile who have the most mildest uh, versions of Kleinfelter. So, you know, it's, it's even within each condition, there is a severity factor. So saying one is intersex is not helping anybody. How is that helping to spread awareness? And it's one of the things I always ask the intersex activists out there. I say, why do you say that? Why can't you just say what your condition is? Because it'll make things a hundred times easier for everybody else. But no, they won't. And majority of the time is because they don't have a DSD condition. They're just using it as some sort of dubious form of gender identity, which is just adds more insult to injury, really, um, to people with DSDs and those who are technically have intersex with ambiguous genitalia. So it's not nice to those individuals either. But yeah, I just thought I'd say about that, how dubious a lot of these intersex organizations are out there. They're just, they, they're, um, the term intersex is not helpful in any way or means definitely. Um, I just wanted to add quickly and, and Katie, I will let you go. Um, so I did want to respond to chat. It's the Dominican Republic that has a concentration of a higher percentage of the population with a DSD. Um, it is very similar to 5ARD, but they call it, um, there's a Spanish word for it specifically for that condition. Um, and intersex, quote unquote, was actually a term that was used after the term hermaphrodite, right? So before the term, quote unquote, intersex, um, we would have the conditions were called, quote unquote, true hermaphroditism or pseudo hermaphrodite. And the reason why these conditions um, should not be called these things is because hermaphrodite has a very specific meaning in biology in which an organism is both male and female uh, simultaneous ham- uh, hermaphrodite and um, or um, sequential hermaphrodite which is um, like a clownfish which is when um, you can go from one sex to the other. Humans again and we've learned this specifically by deeper understanding of DSDs um, have 
developmental pathways that are not congruent <laughs> to hermaphroditism, right? Because um, because of the way our development is mutually antagonistic, it does not like and cannot produce both gametes in one individual, right? We are a gonochoric species. So, um, and that is something that has been, uh, you know, uh, proven with DSDs, right? Um, because if there were ever was a possibility where there is a human that could be both sexes, well, you the closest thing would be you know somebody that has both um, um, gonadal tissues, and even then they cannot perform both male and female uh, roles in reproduction. Right? They cannot produce both eggs and sperm. Our development is not like that. So, you know, understanding DSDs, we have to understand the evolution of humans and developmental pathways of humans. So um, it goes back to that. And again, this just proves how robust our development is because you have over 40 conditions. And yet, even though there are human beings with these 40 conditions, you still end up with males and females, albeit some are atypical males and females, right? Um, but you will still get, um, you will still recognize this person had everything been functioning, would have produced um, eggs. This person, if everything were properly functioning, would have produced sperm. And uh, I also hate the infertility, quote unquote, um, gambit. Because the first thing that you, the first thing that comes up when you, you know, define sex properly, which is by the production of gametes, they'll go, well, you know, there are people that can't produce gametes, so what about them? And to that I say, infertility is sex specific. And how dare you use the pain of infertility for your validation? That is a bad argument drop it <laughs> nobody looked at um <laughs> anyway i'm not gonna go there but um yeah um you know what's you know what's interesting katie was, but yeah katie was next, katie's up katie, next. And, then, and then it'll be your turn love okay i'll go quickly i have about six things i'd like to say but i have them written down in the list so that they're i efficiently go through them um the first is responding to nick um on not the thing you think. Um, <laughs> just like Nick said, there's really one woman who's responsible for allowing intersex activists to hijack MRKH. And um, she's always been a non-binary, gender non-conforming person. And she's like a far left activist type person, which there's nothing wrong with that. But she's also the reason that happened in 2006. And we were not ever considered an intersex condition before that happened when DSD was created. And the thing that bothers me about that is looking into the Chicago consensus where DSD was created, it was essentially just a group of endocrinologists. And my condition isn't an endocrinological, um, I don't even know how to say that, endocrinological condition. We don't see endocrinologists. So why are they making decisions about conditions they don't treat? So that's the first thing. I think in creating DSD and then allowing these intersex activists to compete with DSD, like like for like, they've just decided to position intersex as a competitive term. We've given them language. 
we should never have created an umbrella group. It should be 40 different conditions with 40 different names. It'd be much harder to take to actually organize, to take advantage and exploit people if we hadn't made these umbrella terms, which I think are a stretch because there are some conditions that really don't have anything to do with each other. Um, and then I just would like to address the what I consider BS intersex definition from the intersex organizations where they know if um, they were to give like a real definition, they'd be called out. So they've now decided anyone with any atypical reproductive development situation at all of any kind is intersex. And that is so absurd and bullshit and no one calls them out on it. All of the human rights organizations, governments, hospital systems, they've all just kind of gone, oh, okay, sure. And no one's even thought for a second about whether it's actually factual or true or given any critical thinking to it, which leads me to the fourth point, which is there is one website that really bothers me. It's healthychildren.com or org. It's actually a website owned by the American Academy of Pediatrics. It is so incorrect and inaccurate and I don't know how it's been allowed to stay up and no one will fix it. It says there are 60 different DSDs and what they mean is sex isn't clear and they can't tell if you're a male or a female when you're born. This is despite the fact that most DSDs do not cause ambiguous genitalia and sex is observed correctly. So how is that allowed to happen with the American Academy of Pediatrics? It's absolutely insulting beyond anything else. Then the second to last thing is the Harvard, the Harvard blow up from last week or two weeks ago, where Harvard basically said they were training their people at Harvard Medical School about DSDs in an LGBTQ and gender course. I don't understand, and I'm just going to speak from my own diagnosis, why my diagnosis would be tr taught in an LGBTQ course and not in a course about women's reproductive health because most women with my condition aren't LGBTQ and have no greater incidence of being LGBTQ than anyone else. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to say, please keep in mind the breadth of DSD conditions. Some of the things we've talked about today are truly horrific and awful, but it's not that deep for everyone. It's not that, it's not that down the rabbit hole for every DSD. So my DSD sucks. I can't get pregnant and I have to have a surrogate or a uterine transplant. And I was born with a shorter than average vaginal canal and I had to like work through that. But that's it. I mean, it's awful, it's unpleasant, it's unlucky. But like, it's not deeper than that. It has nothing to do with my gender. It's a birth defect. They don't know what causes it yet. They continue to look. So thank you for those of you who pointed out the needs for research. but. They think it has many, it could have many different causes and it could be a combination of genes and environmental causes. And so it sucks, but I feel like sometimes this conversation about DSDs goes in a direction that is just like not reflective of reality for many of us. And it feels as though we have no agency over how the category we're forced into is presented or positioned. And so, no, Nick, I don't want to reclaim intersex. So, anyway, that is all. Thank you. I hope that was fast. And Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, I just want to quickly respond, and I think Nick will agree to this, just because you brought up um, the LGBT. So, um, I'm bisexual, 
and I have a DSD. Um, being bisexual has nothing to do with the fact that I have Turner syndromes. It is two different, completely non-related thing. I happen to like men and I happen to like women. It's not that deep. I am both sexualities. I, I am heterosexual and homosexual. That's why it's called bisexual, by the way. It doesn't have to do with gender. Anyway, so <laughs> um has nothing to do with my sexuality. So that's first off. Um, second of all, um, second of all, a lot of LGBTIQ plus A um, orgs, right, will bring up quote-unquote intersex. Um, they will not give any funding to any of our needs. They collect money from from bringing us up they do collect money and not like none of it goes to us ever just so you're aware <laughs> right um no but it, it, in reality like that that's the reality of it you know like they're not paying for you know um any of our med they're not paying the medical bills or they're not paying for my expensive tutor you know because i have turner syndrome and so i i need to you know have extra academic help they're not paying for that you know um they're not <laughs> you I know mean, like if they do how are they gonna afford breast uh, augmentation for their heterosexual, non-DSD-having cells. Like, you know, a tutor for a child, breast, a plastic breast on my chest, I think we need priorities here, I, and I need breasts. Chad, we're not even going there. <laughs> um, so, no, and it's very, it's, it is beyond uh, infuriating. I saw from a university that teaches... Um, medical conditions right a university that teaches young adults to become doctors that will treat patients say uh literally i i have the pdf right and it says my first introduction to trans healthcare was learning about dsds and that is literally on a pdf right on a PDF that is meant to train doctors. And it is full of, by the way, inaccurate information about DSDs, right? Um, and so, you know, like, unless- if you could you, link that, that'd be great too. You, I, you could link that and James links the documentary. Yeah, I will I will try to find it, um, but it, it might've been on my old account though. Um, but. And when I saw that, I was beyond infuriating. But these are the things, and this is why, you know, people are like, why do you care so much? It doesn't, you know, like, it's not that deep. But it is that deep. Because if, I swear to God, if I go to a trained professional physician, and they're supposed to know their shit, and they're supposed to give me health care, and I say, oh, I have Turner syndrome, and they ask what my gender is, I'm going to pull a casket because that is not like I I know that sounds like I'm overreacting, but like it it's very like it, it, you know like you're supposed to know that this impacts female reproduction and you're supposed to know what male and female are. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to act as though there are more than two sexes. Like I'm I'm counting on you for my health care. You're supposed to know what that means, right? Um, so male and female should be obvious to anybody that is scientifically minded and no, anybody who knows their shit about DSDs 
knows that we don't disprove that. In fact, it's the opposite. We highlight it. Um, so I, I, I just want to say something real quick about what you said about how you highlight it. You know, the binary gives us infinite possibilities. I mean, it's through the binary code that I'm speaking to you guys through this phone, right? So it's not that it's not that there's just two possibilities one zero one zero there's one zero one 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 zero zero one zero one one z it's different and and so the binary gives us infinite possibilities so it was kind of it was kind of inevitable in the end that you know we would have people who were atypical and out of the binary Binary made us two. I want that on a shirt. Um, I believe it was Nick and then Freya. Pardon me if I got that wrong. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add on what, uh, Turner, what you said about sexuality um, and DSDs. So as a gay man, um, there is no, I've not seen any data to link DSDs and sexualities together. There's, there is no um, there's no data out there to even suggest that I, I am gay because of my DSD condition. And in the vast reality of things, the majority of those with DSD conditions, um, they are heterosexual. Um, a lot of them happily married uh, or in, in, in heterosexual relationships, uh, Jameses, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't want to say on the car kid who's listening in, my good friend, um, <laughs> Um, but I believe she is is straight, um, and you know, an egg hunter as well. Um, my our friend with Swire syndrome, I believe she's straight as well. So it's you know, it, there is a lot of people who are heterosexual with 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 uh, DSD or reproductive conditions. So the whole thing of the LGBTQI, where they include the I, even though it stands for intersex, they they know that we all know they're notioning towards people with DSDs. Um, so why are a group of medical conditions being used in the LGBTQI is something else because you know our conditions are not sexualities; they're not identities. Why are they in that that sort of community? It shouldn't be there. I mean, yes, you're going to have people who are gay or bisexual or trans who have a DSD, but they're two separate issues. I mean, you don't see D for diabetes in the it, it, not it's not an acronym, isn't it? It's just a load of letters, <laughs> but it's it's um, you don't see D for diabetes there. You don't see MS for multiple sclerosis in there, which is no different. You know, these conditions, those conditions are no different. Just obviously different systems cause issues to to what my issues are so i don't understand that um going back another person who has caused so much harm so much harm and influenced organizations like the united nations is is our sworn enemy um and fausto sterling <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things I could say about her. Um, she is not even a developmental biologist. She's not not an endocrinologist, and yet for some strange reason, she quoted the 1.7 percent, the one where everyone talks about redheads. Um, it's like she doesn't know what she's even talking about. She didn't even get any data facts from somewhere. She also included those conditions uh, with uh, late onset adrenal hyperplasia which are not congenital conditions um, and 
make up the vast majority of that 1.7%, whereas the, the congenital conditions only made up 0.2% or 0.02%. So it's like, we're like, and that's 40 different conditions within that 0.02%, by the way. And then adding on the, the one point, oh God, I can't do maths at the moment, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like a huge amount on top of that. Obviously, who, who don't, they're not even class as DSD conditions. Uh, lower isn't a DSD condition at all. And it's, it's very similar to PCOS, uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. So it's like, we're just like thinking, why is that included? Um, also, another thing about Anne Fausto Sterling, she also sexualized children with DSD conditions. Um, a lot of, I don't know if people have seen posts from myself and my fellow friends of DSDs, but yeah, Anne Fausto Sterling wrote in her book, Sexing the Body, we all had ambiguous genitalia, uh, but also it's a sexualization of the condition. So, yeah, her being saying that and advising the UN, the United Nations of this like, totally obscure and obscene number figure she's pulled out of thin air um and then using it to to, to try and show uh, what how many how prevalent our conditions are it's just ridiculous and it's caused so much harm she also um coined the five sex theory theory and herms merms and whatever she said and it's just it's so offensive um and yet so many of these intersex organizations uh, rever her as a as some sort of prophet, of some sort of genius. Um, and on top of that, the LGBTQI communities all think she's amazing. And it's just like, I'm sat here, and a lot of these people don't have DSD conditions. So, yeah, it is not great at all. And it's caused just, just absolute dismay um, amongst myself and others with DSD conditions and just reproductive conditions. So, oh, it's just a nightmare. But Anne Faust-Sterling has a lot to answer for. And that's something I, I have thought about in the past. If I hadn't had so much disability in my life and obviously really adverse health, I would have pushed forward and happily come over to the States and take, you know, may take 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 her to account in front of the world um because she has a lot to answer for uh she's damaged a lot of people and a lot of uh you know in, uh, in spread disinformation about conditions so yeah she, she uh, i think turner and Freya would totally agree with me on that um she does need to um to be hauled in front of a scrutiny and in front of a committee somewhere in america and uh, you know needs needs to be totally exposed of how she's she's totally manipulated and meddled in things that she has no idea what she's talking about. She is like Ripley from Ripley's Believe It or Not. She is um, no, but in, in all seriousness, you know, she is the PT Barnum, right? And we are the the freak show, um, and. Again, you know, to anybody who actually knows these conditions and ha and is scientifically minded and lived with them and observed them, even you know, uh, or worked with patients that have them, again, the fact that sex is binary becomes obvious, right? When you, um, and again, like my whole perspective is is you know. Um, oh, I'm missing a chromosome. Well, what does that mean? And where do chromosomes come from? And you know, 
and all and what do they do when you start answering those questions you know um it becomes obvious and um uh there is i think some evidence that Anne Foster Sterling was actually um attached to John Money um I'm not 100% don't quote me on that because I don't have full evidence but um I do have some evidence of that um I believe in in one of her statements um but you know in all fairness she has been scrutinized right by people who do know their stuff um there's a paper that was on the billboard um, that was like, uh, about that 1.7% and Fausto Sterling is claiming, right? Um, and they bring up the issues that we brought up in terms of how is she defining, quote unquote, intersex conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, um, PCOS, LA, LOAH, so late onset hypo, adrenal hypoplasia, sorry if I mulch that but um is not a is not an intersex condition um you know so it is not a dsd um and that makes up like 1.5 of the percentage of her percentage um the actual percentage if you were to include all dsds right um would be about 0.2 percent to 0.5 and this is if you're including all of them right? Um, and then more accurately, any condition that you would consider quote-unquote intersex where there's a discordance is, or where there's ambiguity of sex um, would be closer to 0.02, right? So we're talking about very small populations. Um, again, proving how robust <laughs> sexual development is. And again, if you are scientifically minded and you ask questions and make observations, right, you're like, well, how come it is such a small percentage? And how come over 99% of people are developing this way, right? Um, that's something that you take a look at. Um, because that's what's impressive to me, right? Anybody who knows biology, the fact that we have such obvious dichotomy is amazing. The fact that I can pinpoint any characteristic and 99% of the time it will be accurate in defining uh, what sex that person is says something, um, you know, and that's impressive to me when you're talking about biological systems. Um yeah. Yeah, nature has put so much emphasis on producing equal amounts of males and females and individuals and making sure that the species can reproduce. And that is amazing that despite that complexity, despite all the genes involved, despite all the molecules involved, and how the sequence has to be done just right, piece by piece, for all the systems to function correctly. Like despite all that the end result is consistently males or females. And it is really incredible. And even across species, too, the fact that all these different systems still produce males or females, that is something that needs to be focused on a lot because that is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, Freya, I think you're next. Thank you. I wanted to build off of the previous discussion Turner and XXY brought up about the sexuality, we recently found a new mindless argument that's been coming up recently 
where they were trying to, to tie the extra copy of the X or Y chromosome being tied as the gay gene to sexuality. I remember XXY was sitting there getting completely flustered, and rightfully so. I was too, because the argument of the gay gene... I thought we were past this. And even they they try to be so future-minded and looking towards progression they're we're just going back and and having to rehash both arguments over and over again and just drives me absolutely crazy on this note i mean honestly how can we go back to the gay gene argument let alone having an extra copy of a chromosome how does that even work because you have turner here who's by and they aren't lacking in the extra chromosome. That's the problem here to turn around and be like, that's why she's by in this entire argument. It just keeps getting more mindless. It's like they're spaghetti coding science and just throwing pasta on the wall to see what sticks at this point. Oh, and congratulations again on, on the baby. Thanks, Rachel. I just want to. I just wanted to add, sorry, um, about what Freya just said about the gay gene. This is happening a lot. Um, the the gender ideologists, I keep bringing this up, and it's really interesting because out of the group of friends, I have a good about 40 friends now with Kleinfelter. We have a chat group on WhatsApp, and we talk to each other quite a lot. Um, out of the 40 of us on that chat group, there's only three of us who are gay. The rest are all straight men. Most of them are married or, you know, are discussing issues with fertility, uh, the fertility treatments that they're requiring because they want to, you know, they, they want to have children. Um, some of them are talking about because there's there's been new, luckily recently there's been pu publications in the last two years to suggest that 50% of all those with Kleinfelter can now be successfully treated for fertility issues, so which is brilliant. So obviously we talk about this constantly and yeah, these people bringing up the things about the gay gene, they have no evidence, they have no scientific clinical medical evidence whatsoever to suggest this. And also just going on sample sizes alone, I mean, the 40 of us in, in a conversation, three of us are only gay. I mean, that's kind of, you know, kind of speaks volumes, really, that is that's not true at all. And also what they're trying to do is try to like, retie in DSD conditions into the LGBTQI. You know, they're going to try and bring anything and everything to tie us into the LGBTQI um, community, so to speak. And, you know, they're, they're just going to use everything. I mean, there's another thing which is happening now, which I believe um, Paula on here brings up, another good friend, and they're now bringing in religious ties. I mean, not just religious, I mean, like full-on cult um, sort of beliefs where the, I've had messages from numerous people, these, these cultists of, gen, of gender identity um, and those sort of beliefs and that sort of LGBTQ cult, which the cultists coming out of it. And they, they even have listed my condition because apparently I look like Baphomet. So they want to worship my condition and it, it just makes me feel sick <laughs> to my stomach that they're doing this. It's, it's just goes to show the complete and utter lunacy of these people. They have no regard for people with DSD conditions. They either sexualize our conditions 
or they kind of tie it in as some sort of supernatural belief of theirs. And it's just, it just, it's mind boggling how, you know, totally deluded these people are who, you know what, and you know, the the reason why this is all happening is because of the lack of care, because the lack of this whole care in the community scheme that the West has put out there. They've shut down all these mental asylums down across America across the United Kingdom here they've shut down numerous large hospitals um you know treating a, a large volume of people with very you know destructive mental health conditions they put this care in the community scheme out and but with the whole thing of care in the community these people are not taking their medicine so you're going to see more of this delusion out there um and i know that sounds a bit radical of me to say but it is the truth i believe i believe that you know governments have not you know that they they have they're the problem they've caused all of this you know the the governments have should have more mental health facilities out there to help treat these people for their delusions but you know we're now seeing all, all this we're seeing unfold in front of us i believe is a direct result of the lack of um mental care, uh, mental care health, uh, mental health care um, happening uh, in, in respective countries. I think that is what's happening, unfortunately. And, and a lot of people are now, you know, facing the consequences of this and really suffering from all this, this nonsense that's happening. So there definitely is a religious aspect to this um and there needs to be a separation from religion and state but i think why so so when i say that um again the fact that sex is binary and that there's two sexes i will keep saying it um (laughs) is um an evolutionary theory right and one that's observable right and one that um uh, you know, predates us and one that will be existent after us, right? Whether we give it a name or not, um, you know, mammals and humans have always, you know, sexually reproduced and there's always been two sexes even before we had names for them. Um, so, you know, not believing in evolution, you do that by pushing a religion, right? And, um, you know, and, and uh, that and not even baffling me, but for example, um, in the play, one of my favorite plays, incidentally, Angels in America, right? There is a character in there that is an angel, and coincidentally, said angel is a hermaphrodite, right? So there's like this, you know, sacred um, thing that is placed on people with DSDs. Um, there are theories that um, I've heard theories that Jesus um, had Turner syndrome um, was a trans man with Turner syndrome I I kid you not I have seen you know people make these theories and again um, these are you know religious beliefs to explain something um, complicated right Uh, and simplify it and make yourself sound smart but, um, uh, and, uh, but you don't understand. You're, we're all the div- we are all the rebus. We are the divine hermaphrodites. Don't you understand this? 
divine I mean, look curse at- of the binary. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but um, but more importantly than that, because I also want to talk about why people are attracted to this religion, and I have a bit of a theory. <laughs> so, um, one, Nick, I disagree with you that governments should be coming in and creating better uh, mental health care facilities because governments are creating the system in which people need or are having trouble with um, mental health care, right? Um, because people with mental health issues um, make better consumers, right? Um, so you you got to keep the population, like, just unhappy enough where they they indulge in, in things that you can be addicted to, right? So, um, you know, you pump them full of drugs, you pump them full of blue light and, you know, um, and all that to keep us complacent. And this is going to make me sound like a conspiracy theorist, but like, um, you know, I don't think the government is our friend and I don't think big corporations are our friends. Um, And no, I think better mental health care. um, I don't even know how you would get there, but I really don't trust the government at this point Um, (laughs) or big corporations because I, they hate us. Ultimately, they hate us and they just want to take our money and profit from us um, at the end of the day. Um, and, and it's infuriating. But religion, right, and this is why I think this religion is so popular, is comforting. Religion offers a sense of community. Religion offers a sense of you know, um, moral superiority, you know, religion offers these things that are very comforting to us, but, you know, and we've seen with most organized religions, um, um, they too profit off of us. Um, You know, like, how much power did the church have, right, the institutional church, right, Um, versus, you know, what they claimed are their values. Well, they didn't get all that power with being good people, right? Um, So, um, yeah, that's my two cents. Uh, And yes, this whole idea of intersex and this whole um, idea that sex is a spectrum is a religious belief. It is not one based off of um, fact or evidence or understanding of evolution. So, you know, um, I guess take the comfort in religion because everyone else is screwing you over too. <laughs> Thanks, XO. So I want to open it up to audience questions where you guys can request to speak and then ask a question directed at any of the co-hosts or any of anyone um, with DS, with a DSD condition and just keep it brief and uh, then mute yourself and then allow them to speak and then we'll uh, continue. Thanks. I guess everybody was really thorough in answering questions before they were even asked because nobody's asking any questions. (laughs) I hope you're all remembering everything and taking notes. It's super good. Love to see people paying attention. (laughs) 
Um, but these will be recorded and posted, and we are going to take those recordings and post them up on YouTube, stitched together so they're not in two parts. Um, and so, yeah, I think overall this was really successful. And thank you to everybody for participating and being so awesome and forthcoming with your information. You guys are obviously better at telling people about this stuff than most medical societies these days. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. It's, it's on one hand, it's a little sad that you guys had to do so much research on your own to like find out and get educated about your own conditions. But on the other, it, it just goes to show how amazing you are as people. So thanks again, guys, for speaking. Thank you guys for hosting. Um, I know I talk a lot, and I'm so sorry about that. Um, you can tell I'm genuinely sorry about how much I talk. Um, so um, I did want to bring up, so uh, because you guys brought up misinformation, I'll bring up this last point, um, because it is it is really upsetting. The people that are supposed to have your back and are supposed to advocate for you, right, um, aren't. And proof I have of this is there is um, this organization, Interact, right, in the States. And the leader of Interact um, literally has the, is literally been, um, literally has the ear of the U.S. government. She has a position in the U.S. government now. Um, Kimberly Zeiselman. And so that, you know, inaccurate definition that Katie was talking about, where anything that is, you know, not perfectly, um, um, Jesus Christ, sorry, that was my brat. Okay, so, <laughs> um, you know, um, no, uh, anybody that is not perfectly XX with perfect female reproduction, um, you know, this includes like a lot of people, right? Because there's a lot of complications that could happen. And then uh, people that aren't perfectly XY males, right? And again, this includes a few people, um, quite a few people um, are now being, are now pushed into, right? The category of quote unquote intersex. Um, which does not help the people it's supposed to help in the first place. And it does not help the people that are pushed into said category. And, um, and a lot of vagueness, a lot of misinformation comes from there. So when I say it's institutional, I mean it's institutional. Um, like the example that I gave before, it's institutional in terms of um, it, um a university that is supposed to teach medical doctors, it is, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just want to point that out. Hey, Jane, did you want to speak? Hi, yes, thank you. And um, thank you for the panel of people. It's been incredibly informative, totally appreciated, waited for this to come along for ages. And um, thank you, Zach, for your ongoing efforts etc just to try to educate people like me who and it really is and you you put out a tweet there and i sort of come back with a could you make it even more simpler please because i'm at the back of the class and there's just somebody who's actually bloody got two a levels and 
biology and human biology it's, it's, it's a shame and it's an embarrassment but thank you over the years because i started following you um three years ago as 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 you know and thank you to each individual. This is a slight follow-up um, uh, to, I think it's Nick, that XX, um, really, really interesting, like many of the panel members. And my question is, is, is this, really. Um, you've mentioned about the misinformation and how there is conflation or things are put vague or the wrong associations, uh, whether it's unintentional, intentional or or is intentional and also the outcome and the damage, etc. So I guess my question is, in a dream world where um, your experience of uh, DSDs, if uh, you weren't spending valuable time and energy um, trying to fend off this misinformation, what would you rather be doing? Like, for example, would you be raising awareness or, you know, what would you be doing if this this ideology, I'm just kind of umbrellaing this, etc. because I don't want to get into the different streams. I realise all those that have been dragged underneath it um, in one way or the other or want to be underneath it, there are different groups, but this is not about them, yeah? So put the ideology to one side what would you guys would like to do so if maybe um uh, in terms of raising the words whatever so if maybe that nick can say something and exo turner then can say something in terms of where you'd like to focus your energies okay um god i dropped to activism last month um because i have a lot more health issues going on and i had some real big stresses last month uh which led me to basically a heart attack so not not a massive one but a minor one but still nonetheless obviously that it really affected me um but i wouldn't mind in the personal capacity to to raise awareness but if I had more time, which I've made myself recently, I've made a lot more time, is actually to volunteer more for charity as well, because that's what I do already. Um, but also spending time with family and getting off of, you know, I, I came back onto Twitter just to be with friends, because there's a lot of friends I don't have on Facebook. So, you know, and just discussing things and giving more time to discuss things and more ways we can find to support each other and get the right sort of support for our needs. because. Even the Kleinfelter Syndrome Association in the UK, um, it's been overtaken by gender ideology activism. In the teenage section now, it talks about how Kleinfelter can be viewed as gender identity. And I'm sat there thinking, what's the F? I mean, I had problems with Kle uh, KSA UK last year as well and really took them to town and said, what they've said is not right. Um, but now they've actually done it a whole section. They haven't done it at the adults, funny enough. They've done it at the teenagers, which are the most vulnerable um, uh, grouping children, basically. So it, it's really disturbing. Um, I, I will try and post a link on this account to show, to show the, the offending pages. But yeah, basically just trying, I would put more time into getting people to support the needs of those of us with DSDs. And just getting people just to realise, to, 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 to lay off. I mean, it's not just gender identity ideologists ca causing issues as well. Unfortunately, there are some areas of gender criticals causing issues as well now. Unfortunately, only a small minority by the looks of things. 
but they are attacking women like Egg Hunter, who is listening, who has Swire syndrome, and because she has XY chromosomes, which Zach obviously talks about the science, how it happens. Uh, she gets called, uh, there's a lot of people calling her and others with Swire syndrome men, which is not true because they are biological females. So, it's you know, it's they is, don't have SRY. It's the, for example, one example is a male uh, gene, SRY. So yeah. if you don't have that, you are female, even though. Yeah. And it, it's, it's funny you say that, because if you look at somebody's names or what they use for women, they're put double two X's. Yes. Not realizing um, that some women will have a Y chromosome and that some males will have a double X chromosome and not realizing it's the um, S um, R Y, the sex region. Uh, Those Those conditions, I mean, Swire syndrome and uh, De La Chapelle syndrome, which is, I believe, the the condition where males develop it, have XX chromosomes. Um, I have to stress they are incredibly rare (laughs) conditions um, and they make up a very small percentage of those of us with DSDs um, they're, they're special there you go Egg Hunter I know you're like calling you special but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's males or only one in 20,000 yes yeah, really males, rare. So very rare yeah um, so yeah you know so I, I want I just you know it is frustrating I think the thing for me is frustrating for people to carry on talking about the genetics of our conditions, although important, or what our bodies look like. I'm just, um, as as case files on here, Claire, who talks about obviously trying to get the right support for our needs. I just, mm-hmm. we just wish that people would debate our needs rather than what we look like or what our genetics are, because that is where that's the most important thing for us all really is to get those needs and support in place um, so we can have better quality of life that's for sure yeah definitely wonderful thanks and could i just hear something from exo turner in terms of if you weren't fending off the misinformation etc that some of us have seen and you guys are up that you know you're at the front of this what would you otherwise be spending your directing focusing your time and energy um so i mean and i i already do um, I am uh, a, a university student, um, so I am uh, getting my bachelor's in science so that I can become a science teacher, and I work. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my energy is pretty much like, I, listen, between like trying to keep like a healthy lifestyle, work and school and homework, it it's it's it like what time what what time do I have? Um, no, but in, um, in terms of, you know, any discussion that I would have, uh, you know, outside of this with Turner syndrome, um, you know, it would probably be to maybe get, you know, like peer support groups. Um, you know, it would probably be, um, you know, cause most people don't really know about these conditions. So it would probably just have a conversation about it, but, you know, um, without like this misconception of it <laughs> um yeah i mean i'd just be living my life like i am now you know um and i just wanted to point out about chromosomes 
And I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on or what side of this debate, uh, conversation, dialogue, whatever you want to call it, you're on. Most people don't know what chromosomes do, (laughs) right? Most people um, are not trained in genetics and stuff like that. So, like, uh, you know, like, don't have that conversation. (laughs) Just be (laughs) like, because it's, you know, it's just super annoying to hear, oh, well, chromosomes this, chromosomes that. Okay, but, like, do you know, like, what chromosomes are and what they do and, you know, like, the specific genes that are on said chromosomes? Because there's, like, on, on one chromosome, there could be thousands of genes that do many different things right um they basically create proteins right (laughs) like that's what that's what they do but specific genes will create specific um enzymes and you know it's just annoying and to you know egg hunter right to just simply say y chromosome without asking well why do we consider the y chromosome male right and what is it that makes the Y chromosome male and how that does not apply to someone like egg hunter, right? That's the conversation, right? Because that is what happens when you, oh, wait a minute, this isn't typical and what we expect. And then you ask questions about it and then you realize, okay, wait a minute, here is what I'm seeing. Um, most people are not critical thinkers, um, uh, you know, and yeah um besides that (laughs) i'm sorry sometimes my bitchiness comes out you know i'm i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so i can understand it no it was just an ask for both of you i know both of you are like super busy anyway etc but i when i came onto twitter three years ago and i spoke to somebody called ray who knew about dsds etc and they were really battling misinformation i had a lot of time that's where i started to get to know stuff uh, to, to be honest with you so as i said in a different world at a different time what would you be sort of do you know also doing but thank you very much for both sharing your experience massive hugs thank you i give the mic thank you for asking thank you for listening Um, i think uh, coco spice is next with a comment or question hi um yeah thank you so much for letting me speak um i think it's hi I, honestly, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I have some of you who are speaking right now. I've, I've followed for quite a, few, uh, a while. I think it's um, really, really unfortunate how people with DSDs have been dragged into and sucked into um, a political conversation that actually has nothing to do with them because the issue is about gender identity and the impact of that on women's spaces. Uh, predominantly and also the instrumentalization of LGB children in the form of the so-called like trans kid uh, but it's honestly quite appalling how people who have um, you know medical conditions um, that actually could you know I appreciate the fact that maybe I'm possibly one of the most left-wing people on this speaker panel right now I don't know um, but I definitely do feel like it is the job of um, society um, to be investing into much better medical care for people with DSDs and in, in general for human beings, to be quite honest. Um, it's, it really, I, I have seen 
I don't want to say the DSD community because that just sounds absolutely ridiculous, but people with DSDs have been weaponized by people on all sides um, to push their own agenda. And it actually has been incredibly, from my perception, been quite dehumanizing to the individuals who are actually living with these um, uh, disorders of um, sexual development and the we could do well to remember that these are actually people who are struggling with um, disorders and conditions that are not just limited to reproductive um, implications, that they do have implications for, you know, other health issues and learning disabilities as well. And I think people should remember that they are actually like people, they're not pawns to be used in a debate that actually originally has nothing to do with them. Um, and I think, you know, it's really depressing when I see people who are claiming to speak for me as a gay transsexual, like these, um, I mean, I like what you say, Turner, because you don't refer to them as trans activists. You refer to them as gender identity essentialists, which I would actually agree with that, to be quite honest, because they don't do anything for people like me. They certainly don't speak for me, um, you know, what I would want. Um, they definitely do have a very essentialist and conservative, stereotypical, bastardised interpretation of what they think gender is. Um and, it, you know, I just, even today to this day, I still see on, like, Twitter all the time, you know, when we, as sane-thinking human beings, make the argument that sex is obviously binary. There are men and women, there are males and females. And it's just within two seconds, there's always some, like... Um, DSD condition or person with a DSD that is weaponized and co-opted and thrown into the argument um, at, in order to try and disprove the sex binary, which is just, I mean, you'd, you'd have to have an IQ level uh, close to the temperature of the inside of a refrigerator to think that there's more than two sexes. Um, but also they deliberately do know what they're doing Um they know fully well that they are just co-opting and um, actually appropriating people with DSDs. But I also do see a little bit of, um, I don't know if I would call it ableism or ignorance um, from the other side as well, where people, particularly um, people who have androgen and sensitivity syndrome, um, have been actually quite caught up in a lot of um, arguments and quite horrid polemics in this um, so-called debate and it, it really has been very dehumanizing and uh, there have been like people who've actually been driven off social media because it's gotten that ugly and that horrible and it's just absolutely appalling um, these are human beings they're people they have nothing to do with transgender they have nothing to do with gender identity ideology and they also um, you know we as a society should be you know, supporting them and, you know, pushing for better medical care, more medical research, um, greater, like, I mean, obviously me as a leftist, I would say greater public spending, large, like, socialised medicine for all, which you guys lack in the States. Um, and even over here in the UK, like, there needs to be so much more research done on uh, variations of sexual development so we can actually get these people, you know, medical treatments and services that benefit them, that help them, that improve their lives, and so that they also have bodily autonomy and actually are not just operated on and uh, surgically altered when they're infants, um, 
without their consent they need to be given the autonomy to consent if they want to undergo any kind of like gonad removal or uh, genital surgery and that is up to those individuals um so yeah thank you so much for letting me speak i appreciate the fact i don't have a dsd um so thank you so much for like giving me so much time i appreciate it thank you and next is james and then katie uh, thank you. Thank you again. Yes, um, uh, H did bring up a few few good points. Um, unfortunately, like uh, or like, for instance, when Kasia Semenya, I believe that's her, her pronounce her name, gets brought up. I mean, this is a class of 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 of, of DSDs. They're, they're so rare. Uh, they only appear in small quantities in certain African countries. They are something that no one has to worry about except in high level sports particularly on the Olympics, where I do agree they need to be, um, they, they need to be regulated in some way. But that's it. They, they don't, there's no threat to anybody, no women's spaces. There's, there's, <laughs> there's just, they're just, you know, they're, de- they're heavily demasculinized males or they, are, um, or they have other, other conditions or other strange conditions that are so rare, uh, so rare we don't really understand them because we can't research them because they're so damn rare. They just pop up occasionally. So, and, and you know, people on a GC side talk to them like you know they're they're your next door neighbor or something. I'm like, no, no, they're not. So, um, <laughs> um, just you got to keep that in perspective. And also, the LGBTQ kind of conglomerate is is a real clever trick because it's like you criticize any aspect, and it's like, no, I'm I'm not talking about gay people. I'm not talking about lesbians. I'm just talking about this specific issue over here. But they automatically throw it in that to think you're like you're like fighting like queer people and no one knows what queer queer is. Um, so, um, you know, I'm not talking about lesbians. I, I haven't talked about lesbians for years. Okay. <laughs> so, um, that, 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 that's the other problem. So there's a lot of conflation going on. There's a lot of this identity. I call them identity snatchers. They just snatch everybody's identity and then they, and they claim things. And, you know, this was brought up, uh, certainly with, uh, first it popped up with, um, Oh, what's that? Uh, Dalza, the one who who became who who pretended to be an African American. Um, you know, again, that that offended people because it's like a person just can't take a little aspect of somebody's you know existence and say, "I'm this. I want to have this part of this existence, but I don't want anything else. I want to throw everything else away. So I don't have to grow up black. I don't have to grow up anything. I don't. I don't have to deal with anything except I want to just." deal with this one little aspect of it and I want to benefit from that little aspect of it and I don't want to deal with all this other stuff. So when they claim to have things like, um, you know, some strange condition, they're not dealing with fertility issues. They're not dealing with any of this stuff. They, they just they just like that identity and to claim that identity and, and to, to profit that identity. Uh, I think eventually it'll, it's going to come around and people are going to look back at this and it's going to be like one of those those pictures you know you look at you stare at for hours and hours and can't see it and suddenly it becomes clear i forgot I, they're, they're, i'm old so they're, they're they're big in the 90s but but and then pretty oh people will realize oh i see what's going on it's just we're just simply co-opting things and then creating another victim class and then doing exactly what we claim that we weren't doing you know we weren't supposed to culturally appropriate without permission we're not supposed to steal people's valor or, or, or stolen identities or anything like that and, and, and do these things so anyway okay so i believe uh truth and facts are next thanks james can you guys hear me 
Yes. I'm yeah. on the exercise machine because the gym closes at six. Um, I just wanted to say one thing about variations. People who know me know I have a real problem with quote unquote variations. Um, variation is entirely meant to make it sound like these are just natural versions of male and female without causation. And if you have that, you can place them on a spe sex spectrum because they're just a collection of sex characteristics, random, randomly assigned. My uterus and lack of most of it is not a variation. It is a reproductive disorder that has led to my complete inability to get pregnant despite being very fertile otherwise. It's so cruel and unfair and dismissive to the actual truth and experience of women with my diagnosis, that's all. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Katie. XO? Um, I'm with Katie on that one, 100%. And sorry, guys. Um, like, I... Um, for those of you who know me, my phone dies at the worst possible time. So, pardon. Um, yeah, so I also hate the term variation. And it is, again, for me, I like when... Um, words are explanatory when they're descriptive and it tells you without having to dive into it. So, for example, um, if I were to say, oh, I have female hypogonadism, right, you can then, you know, figure out that there's an issue with the development of my ovaries, right? Automatically, it's there. Um and variation is just, again, it's another umbrella term. It's another, you know, hypocritical slap to the face because you're like, oh, you're so, you know, perfect the way you are. You're just a variation. And, you know, like you're this beautiful, sacred breaker of the binary. And then you, <laughs> and then you go ahead and, and tell other people that they need like surgery and hormones so that they're okay. <laughs> like it's, it's again it's the double standard for me um and then i also wanted to touch upon nomenclature since we're talking about words and specificity um assigned does not apply to sex unless you are a victim of medical malpractice the doctor did not assign my height my weight the doctor did not assign um you know my hair color that those are things that were observed and recorded right um and the whole point of taking the word assigned is manipulation of words because it is um saying that this was chosen and given to you um and by the doctor <laughs> like the doctor made the choice the doctor did not choose your sex for you. Um, the doctor did not assign, again, unless you are a victim of medical malpractice, right? And that's why that term exists in the first place for victims of medical malpractice, which by the way, most of us with DSDs were also just simply observed and recorded our sex, right? So even that is not applicable to majority of DSDs, right? So you're talking about a very specific experience and you are colonizing that, taking the language meant for that and then manipulating it for political reasons. 
Um, and, you know, it's just, I, I can't explain what it's like when you've lived with a condition and you see someone blatantly make like a TikTok, right? And this is how I got started. And just like a TikTok or like a Twitter post of like, actually, there's like six sexes and they name your karyotype, which is not a sex. <laughs> um, it's an atypical karyotype uh, as a sex, you know, and um, the idea of a sex spectrum also upsets me a lot because you can you cannot put sex on a spectrum. First of all, sex does not apply simply to humans, right? Because we know the definitions of male and female and where sex and what sex is, you cannot put it on uh, you cannot take simple human characteristics and then say it's a spectrum, um, which is what they do, right? Um, also, if it is a spectrum, what is your x and y axis? Right? What are your what are you measuring? How are you measuring maleness and femaleness? Right? Because that's what they usually they put like male to female, and then they just slap intersex in the middle, right? And they're done. There's but I'm like, but but that's not a spectrum, right? You have, um, you know, you're you don't have again. You, you don't have your quantities that you're measuring, right? Because how do you measure maleness? Like, are you measuring the size of penis and, like, saying that's a spectrum? Because that's where, like, no, but that is literally where the idea that is a spectrum comes from. If you read Anne Fausto Sterling, um, who kind of started this whole idea that sex is a spectrum, right? If you read, like, that's basically her her logic, you know? And it's like, that that's not how we you know define and understand and measure sex you can't measure sex um you know it's that's not how it works um yeah yeah sex is a is a discrete variable and it cannot be plotted on a spectrum certain traits can be plotted on a spectrum like height weight uh hormone levels even a genital morphology if you get a specific unit that applies correctly but those are all separate traits you can't just mold them together into one spectral smoothie like it's just not how it works <laughs> um yeah that was the main thing i want to say um so from there let's go to uh i know nick wanted to speak really quick and then freya as well and then after that i want to just one more time ask the audience if there's any questions so be thinking about questions and then we'll wrap this up soon yeah, I was just going to come off of Turner's um, points about, you know, social media where on TikTok they'll talk about the sex spectrum and just talk about bollocks and basically, excuse my language. Um, but one of the things is a lot of these people who claim to be intersex are faking it. They 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 are do, use saying they're intersex or anything like that or saying they have DSD conditions to spread their genderqueer ideology. And people need to just just challenge them just challenge them because anybody with a legit dsd condition like myself like turner like freya james katie egg hunter and other speakers that have been on um today um 
we know what our conditions are. We're very specific about what our conditions are. For example, I talk about Kleinfelder. Turner talks about, it's in the name, you know, Turner. Freya talks about her having 48XXXY, which is a, an extra X and I've even got, um, you know, and uh, so forth. We all talk about it in precise detail because, you know, it is our life experience. It is also part of our, you know, we've had diagnosis We've been, you know, my endocrinologist has talked me through about my condition. I've been given books. I've gone to, you know, support organisations like the KSA UK, even though I disagree with (laughs) things at the moment. But there is, you know, I know what my condition is and how it affects me. A lot of these people faking our conditions don't. They have no idea. Um, There is one notable one which I've taken on when I was an activist called Julie Mayfield in America. Now, Julie Mayfield is a trans woman, claims to be an intersex trans, claims uh, they're not trans. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's clear you are. (laughs) Um, And Julie Mayfield claims to have 47XXY Kleinfelter syndrome, exactly the same condition as what I have, but has tried to claim that that they have uh, fallopian tubes, uterus, an ov- uh, one ovary, one testy, uh, a, you know, partial uterus and a female pelvic floor, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> it's just mental. And these these traits do not happen for whatever reason under 47XXY Kleinfelter. It's just not possible. They, they do not categorically do not happen and it just proves how many fakers there are out there there was a um there was a proper autogynophile up in scotland who claimed to have um a rare condition which was case with xxy and tried to say it was kleinfelter um there's only been one condition that's been found of this in poland in a teenager who was diagnosed when they were 15 at the time they're now about 19 or 20 years of age and this this um this gender ideologist is 60 years old this year so it goes to show that you know only one case being recorded in medical modern science in the medical books and apparently they've all got it all of a sudden so this is the thing what people got to be aware of they will try to claim there's another one claiming to have a uh, is it chimerism? Is that how you say it? Uh, where they have an extra uh, chimerism. That's it. Chimerism, and yet yeah, that again is an extremely rare um, condition to have. Um, it's not really considered a DSD, but does have an, perhaps an underlying DSD condition going alongside it. Um, it is so so rare but they will try to make out they're between sexes because of that and it's it's not at all when you look at the science behind it is even the science behind that is just not possible so these fakers are in a numerous i mean at the moment i mean when claire uh case files did her um uh, article about the invention of intersex last year it was an eye-opener with it was fully backed up with documents you know showing how our conditions have been totally manipulated totally twisted and the amount of people faking our conditions in order to spread genderqueer theology um and it was so shocking how much of the, a trend this has become and it's like it's just a massive insult to people like me who have had to endure struggles and real struggles, you know, throughout my life and pain and, you know, all sorts that I've had to deal with with my condition. 
And then for them just to kind of go, oh yeah, look at me, I, I've got a, I'm intersexed. And it's like, no, you're not. You don't even know what that term means. It's like, it's just pathetic. And it's got to the point now, even though I'm not an activist anymore, but from a personal perspective, I'm still pissed off seeing it all because it's like, it's never going to end. I just don't, I just cannot see it ending. And it's not going to end well if it does. <laughs> it's just, it's really scary, in my opinion. All right, go ahead, Freya. And then we got a question from one of the audience members, I think. Okay, thank you again. Uh, what gets me is, like, it started off as just a spectrum. It, it wasn't defined. It was just a spectrum. And they kept ham-handing more and more genders into that spectrum and conflating it more, but it had nothing to ground it in scientific reality. And it was only recently based upon an article that came out with the bimodal spectrum. And it was just to prove their argument for the spectrum. And you, Emma Hilton, and um, Colin did amazing and uh, you obviously I know I quote you all the time to people who try to argue with me on, on bimodal and it's just like I said them just throwing science at the wall to see what sticks at this point and they conflate biological sex now with the bimodal to justify other genders and hundreds of genders like at New York last time I checked it was 75 genders in New York including drag queen and it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and and dog kin and cat kin. And it's just gotten so much worse. Um, I know several of us here remember the conversation with Penelope. I think it was like Penelope um, P something or PNE or something like that. And she claimed to have two rare DSD conditions that didn't pair together. It may be one of you guys can, if you remember which two she claimed she had, I don't remember off the top of my head, but she, she claimed that she physically was capable of birthing and fathering uh, children. And at the age of um, four, her parents made a decision for her and removed her ovaries and turned around and was claiming that they never went through a male puberty and then admitted that they fathered a son on top of everything else. And it's like, I don't even, like one of the conditions you cited would make you sterile. So I don't understand how you could father a child in the first place at this point. And, and everyone here, uh, Turner, Cynthia, Katie, have heard me cry so much about not being able to have children and like how that's affected me growing throughout my life and taking care of my nephews and like, Another point to me being against children transitioning is how many friends I've had growing up, including myself, I didn't want kids as a teenager, and it wasn't till my 20s and 30s after helping raise my nephews uh, for six years, I was like, I'd love to be able to have a kid. I really would. And to never have that and see children falling into the space and being told they can make a decision at 10 and younger that they can transition and have their puberty blocked with, with GNRHA and how that will affect them growing up and thinking that at 10, 
make, even at 15, making that choice and not understanding the long-term consequences before they even have those emotions develop in them to want to have children or, or to have the experience of helping raise children. And it's just so horrible seeing it, everything being done and especially to kids and how everything has just been so poorly panned out and in the long run with the, with what you would expect to be happening in 2023. And instead of having the truth and people being grounded in that truth, we have everybody conflating it in the world, including the medical professionals makes it even more scary and disgusting that we have this happening and having Anne Fausto Sterling in her book, like sexting the body from, I believe 94 and how she started that whole process. And like all of us have admitted several times in our lives, all of us have separate neurological divergence. All of us had learning disabilities. I, I have dyslexia, I'm on the autistic spectrum. I was in special ed growing up throughout school. And then to see our conditions fetishized sexually and nobody calls them out for that. And it's horrible, it really is. So, um, Dee Dee brought up this point earlier, and there's a few things I want to talk about. First of all, someone claiming to remove, to have their ovaries removed, and then say they didn't go to male puberty is just, like, of course you didn't go through male puberty. If you had ovary, listen, I don't. I don't have time to waste on on that that those like I can't I can't wrap my head around it and that makes me angry. Um, so we're gonna move past that, and we're just going to say that. Um, uh, give me one second, and I will be right right back. I'm sorry, I need two minutes. Hold on. Hey, uh, reason will win. You can ask your question or comment. Isaac. Um, by the way, I used the I summon uh, Zach feature <laughs> for the first time the other day. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's very helpful. I felt like I was calling on Batman. But um, <laughs> is this an appropriate time to ask a question about gender or is it too out of topic? I don't think so necessarily. Can Let's see. We'll, we'll try to so, answer it. What exactly is happening with the gender issue? Is it akin to a Martin Bailey where the sex spectrum idea was no longer defensible and, you know, warranted a retrieve towards that, you know, gender, which is more muddy, as you uh, put it? What's exactly going on with gender and it, you know, being claimed to be a spectrum and whatnot? Yeah, in one way, it is a Martin Bailey in that they will say, oh, so they'll basically conflate sex and gender and say that their sex also changes because they like to use that argument as the uh, as the like strong argument of like no actually I am male or female the, op the actually the opposite sex but then they'll also say when challenged they'll be like actually no sex and gender are separate my gender identity is male my sex is female that kind of thing and that is a Martin Bailey that's used a lot. And so it's there a, is sort a distinction of, though. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. So it's a sort of ambivalent term that is used according to the needs uh, some, somewhat. Yes. 
Absolutely. So you'll see gender being used in various ways for various purposes, depending on the person's ideology. So you might see them using gender identity, like their their perception of themselves as male or female. They might use that as a complete replacement for sex, so basically conflating the two together, or they might keep it separate. Uh, They might use gender to mean gender as synonymous with sex, just saying that your gender is your sex and there's no difference between the two. And there's also gender expression with how you express yourself, masculine and feminine roles and behaviors and and cultural practices and all those different terms are just muddied together often with gender ideologues and uh, they don't often bring much clarity to those terms. So I find it's best to uh, ask them when they are using the word gender to clarify what they mean exactly. So is there a version of this uh, gender which is uh, grounded in uh, one's biology perhaps uh, similar to how Deborah saw would uh, say, for example, that it is also binary? So if we're defining gender as more of the behavioral expression of male and female, you can define it that way and that that is partly biological in nature and partly sociological. So there's that aspect. Uh, if you're defining gender as in a relationship to sex, only sex, then it's just binary. Uh, I think Cynthia has something to, to add. Um, in California, actually, I just saw this, Civil Code 51 defines gender um, and by extension sex, actually. So it defines sex um, as including but not limiting a person's gender. Um, but then it also says that gender also means sex and includes a person's gender identity and gender expression. And then it defines gender expression as a person's gender-related appearance and behavior, whether or not stereotypically associated with the person's assigned sex at birth. Yeah. So, so it is just nonsense. Yes, yeah, so it's like, what it's is It's a matryoshka, nestled matryoshka mess. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. It's like, um, what is it? The Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. It's just the circular definition that relies upon itself to exist. Like it, it can't exist without its own like words and, and definitions. And none of these definitions that they've made, made up for gender, none of those can exist outside of sex. Like they're using sex as the basis to then jump off from and create definitions from that are circular. All right, thank you. Yep. yep. All right, All who's right. next? I'm not sure. I just think you're double micing because Cynthia's mic's open. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to quickly interject um, and, and I'll move on. So um, I was going to say because uh, somebody had mentioned that drag queen was a gender. Um, drag queen I know some drag queens I'd be very upset if you said that (laughs) it's not um and uh as for what gender quote-unquote is um so this is my personal observation take it or leave it right um so like I previously said there are um 
sensations um like uh that we know are tied to male and female female sexual development so like um like james was talking about calmins impacting your sense of smell and you know turners can impact uh, your hearing um i think males and females have a somewhat you know <laughs> different reality when walking through the world and this leaves with you know um to averages of like um of of be of, of patterns that are recognizable because you know humans are sexually dimorphic and we're a social species so we take the reality of the fact that we're you know sexually dimorphic species and we take that and we kind of build some social um you know um foundations with that um on a personal level I think we're all non-binary um, because every person that I've spoken to and have experiences with um, has characteristics about them behaviorally that I would, you know, that are masculine, that are feminine, that are neither, and that are both at the same time, right? So it's, <laughs> um, so there, you know, like, it's very, like, gender is hard to, discuss if you are going to discuss it it should be again tying back to evolution right and the evolution of the two sexes um and then you know you can criticize for example um social hierarchies from there you can you know examine how sorry if you heard that that's my cat being a brat so um you can uh, you can examine, you know, social hierarchies and stuff like that. But um, what's funny is that we always think that humans are special because, you know, again, this goes back to like how I learned about all this stuff. And it was watching nature documentaries. And when they were talking about, you know, the habits of lionesses versus what lions do, there was no judgment. <laughs> there was no, oh, it's like complex. Like it was... You know what I mean? We we spoke about um, the observations as, you know, observing animals and patterns. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I don't understand why we treat humans as like, you know, above that. Um, <laughs> um, you know, um, so yeah, like I, I think it's, it's, it's nature and nurture impacting each other. Um, I would say that, like, that's how I would explain gender, but yes. it is tied to... And sex. nature has to exist as the baseline for nurture to act, basically. Yeah. Okay. All right, Katie? Yes, thank you, Zach. Um, I might struggle just a little bit to articulate what I mean, and I don't think what I'm about to say is like news to anyone. It's just nice to surface what really I think causes a lot of the challenges that we're talking about. So one of the things that happens on a regular basis is, you know, activists trying to say that someone with a DSD, they'll say, well, then a woman with MRKH isn't a woman because she can't give birth. So I guess she's not a woman. And so that goes back to this like very odd situation where they've divorced. It's the center of everything. So they first, the, the movement that is about transgenderism is about supposedly about gender. Okay. So then 
the people that disagree are focused on saying there is no gender. Gender is the same, like gender is inherently connected to sex. Okay, so if gender is inherently connected to one's sex, then they'll say, oh, well, is this person really a woman if they can't uh, give birth or if they don't have this or whatever, whatever. And it's like so frustrating because the, you're really trying to say that women who don't have a, a gender non-conforming, whatever you want to call it, are divorced from their sex. And so this is the central tension and the central issue that we can't seem to resolve, which is, you know, the fact that most non-transgender people honestly accept that trans people want to live as the opposite sex, but that they aren't the opposite sex. And so the idea that you could, (laughs) so I said to someone the other day, okay, so you're saying because I have uterine infertility that I am a female, but I'm not a woman. So up until now, the only way a female wouldn't be a woman is if they said they were a trans man. So it's like so absurd, the, the like inherent insanity of it all. And so I'm just not really sure how it gets better because I don't know how to get out of the swirl that I'm sort of talking around here that I'm not doing a very good job of. I agree. Um, as a man with a DSD condition, I just want to put it out there that gender uh, – <laughs> I personally, and I'm done, if people want to have a gender, I was that. <laughs> I was going to say I don't mind people of gender identity if they want to identify as whatever they want to go for it. You know that's up to them. I'm I'm not taking that away from them. I'm not doing anything. But what I hate and I hate the most is for some of these people to start preaching at me what I am or saying that I must be of this, I must be of that, or I'm not male enough, I'm not 100% male. Now, that really pisses me off. One of the things we hear quite a lot is trans men are men. We hear that constantly. But when they talk about me, and they'll talk about me when I'm not there or talk about me in person, and they'll say, well, you know, Nick's got Kleinfeld syndrome, he's got an extra X chromosome, so that extra X means it's female, so therefore he's not 100% male. And I'm sat there thinking, what are you talking about? The pure hypocrisy when they talk about misgendering and then they go and missex me. Okay? It is pure hypocrisy. And they need to stop stop it because it is it's it's causing a lot of issues. I don't identify as male. I am a male. My male sex is no different to a male with XY chromosomes or a male with XXXY chromosomes. My, you know, we're, we're not all little variants out there. We're not on this spectrum, you know. Our sexes are still, the sex is the same, you know. We just have reproductive disorders. And I'm very, I'm a realist. I talk about my condition in the clinical terms because it's easier for me to do so because that's how I was diagnosed. That's how I get the medical treatment for my needs. And I appreciate that's not for everybody, but for me it is. And I don't wish to enforce my you know, the way of thinking on others. But the problem is they've now turned my condition into this sort of somewhere in between male and female when clinically, medical me- medical science speaking, it is only affects men, males, regardless of what those males identify as, if they are transgender, if they identify as non-binary, if they identify, you know, 
identifying as something else does not change the clinical medical reality of my condition. Okay. And those conditions that they have, they may identify as that. That's fine. That's no problem. I have no problem with that. But they cannot change those definitions because the problem is it'll go into the medical system, right? It'll go into the medical system. If enough of them did that, got into the medical system, I could see medical privileges being taken away from me because they'll be like, oh, no, it's just an identity. Don't worry. You, you just embrace your identity. You know, you don't need these medical treatments because your condition is is no is just an gender identity now. You know, and it could easily turn into that. So we need to be realistic here. Now, I don't mind people who have DSDs who who may be trans, and there are there is people here today. Freya, Freya is in the room today. Freya has a DSD condition and is a trans woman. You know, I love her to pieces, like a big sister to me. You know, <laughs> so I, I I have a lot of nuance there to understand that, but. As myself and Freya have often talked about a DSD condition and being trans or gender dysphoria or having a gender identity, they're two different things um, and two very separate issues. You know, my condition has nothing to do with gender identity. It's nothing to do with being gay. It's nothing to do with LGBTQ. Even as a gay man, my, con my medical condition under the pretense of intersex is not an identity or a sexuality. It is a medical condition. And as I've said before, why don't they add D uh, into the LGBTI for diabetes? Because it's no different to that. It's, it's a reproductive condition. But if you look at it in a medical sense, it's no different. So it's like, you know, it's a medical condition. Um, and uh, it's just frustrating. It really is. It's, there is a lot of hypocrisy about and gender ideology, not people individually who have gender identity or who may be trans i'm not targeting them but it's the ideology it's the political ideology that's causing a lot of issues and it's really dehumanizing towards men with dsds and females with dsds and even those who identify as something else with dsds you know it, it does affect them because at some point something's going to go wrong in the medical system especially in america or into any uh, private care, healthcare in uh, countries that are based that on, because they will start twist. They will start the medical community will start pandering to this political ideology, and people will lose their rights into getting medical treatments for their conditions. Regardless, it doesn't matter if 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 you're a man with a DSD or a female with a DSD or or somebody who identifies as whatever, they're going to be affected as well, no matter what they will lose their medical rights to getting um, medicine or, or possible surgeries to remove, you know, tumours because some of our conditions cause cancer. You know, it's one of the things I'm on the list for, which I have to have checked is my testes and the gynecomastia I have because the breast growth I have, it, I, have a high, I have a high risk of developing breast cancer. So, you know, <laughs> our conditions cause a lot of issues. <laughs> um Oh, it's just so difficult. It's it's just got to a point now where one gets very exhausted um, with, with it's the political aspect of it, which is causing the issues. I'm quite convinced of it. It's just not good at all. So from the audience, we have Dale Scout with a comment or question and then Michael with a comment or question.
XO, I'll go ahead and speak if you need to say something. Um, yeah, so in here, so um, Nick, what you were describing is why I have a problem with the term variation, right? Because a lot of the struggle with having our medical conditions um, is having people understand us, right? Um, and that is not helped by the vague language. That is not helped by the forced teaming of like all these conditions under one umbrella. Um, so for example, um, you know, if you were to use the term quote unquote intersex, that does not tell me anything about you. It doesn't, right? Um, if you were to say, you know, woman with turners, man with Kleinfelters, uh, man with comments, whatever, you know, condition you may have, right? Um, then at least that is descriptive and, you know, accurate <laughs> in terms of, you know, and tells people, communicates with people, right, our experience, right? Um, and a lot of people's perception, right, of quote-unquote intersex is not based in empirical data. In fact, it is based off of fetishization. It is based off of... Um, the idea, no, like in, in all seriousness, though, I mean, how many times have Nick uh, or Freya or James and or I have come across these accounts withdrawn, um, you know, <laughs> with drawings of people, uh, not even people sometimes, but uh, like of but like these cartoons with both genitals, right? Like that is where people are getting these, like in all seriousness though, like some of this is where people are getting their ideas and it's not, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with the reality of, of our developmental complications and how they impact our lives. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of us like are, are worried and, you know, rightfully so there's some things being put into law that are, you know, that, that will have um, that predictable, scary outcomes. And I'm not saying don't fight it, but I also kind of want to ease any fear that people have because again, like how we got here. Hold on a second. What the hell are you doing? Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> Somebody's heart meter is a little low. <laughs> oh my god! Any, um. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so that, so that, yes. Okay, I want to ease people's fear. Right. So the fact that sex is binary, again preludes us by 1.2 billion years and it will be here after us so you know even with all of this happening to kind of poke holes in you know the terms male and female and deconstruct them because um, ultimately that's what this activism aims to do is deconstruct these terms um you know we will have to deal with the consequences of that and then um, it will, 
you know, reality will have to, you know, sit back in with people. Um, because, I, like I said, um, like the doctor told me, you know, um, either this is hormonal and we can treat it or it's genetic and, you know, there's nothing you could do. Now, I could go ahead and walk around like I don't have Turner syndrome and, you know, <laughs> live in, uh, you know, in, in ignorant bliss, you know, but then I, you know, then the consequences of that will eventually happen and where, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I have to deal with the medical complications of not um, being vigilant with my health care, right, of not knowing, um, <laughs> you know, what, yeah. So it, it's the same thing here, right? Um, there's only so much that, you know, being nice um, can get you, right? Um, and... You know, nice is different than good, um, you know, because I could be nice and be affirming and be understanding. And sometimes I am all of those things, you know, but I would be a bad person if I were to lie to you. I would be a bad person if I were to say that I think it's a good idea for, <laughs> you know, or that I believe in, in this, um, you know, and and that's. You know, that's why these conversations are important. Um, and the fact that gender isn't clear is like part of the problem. And also it, it, uh, it it's in the design of what this activism aims to do. Um, and when you're talking about sexual development, remember, you're talking about the process. You're talking about two things. You're talking about the process of how... Um, a child becomes an adult and then you're talking about the process of how we create other human beings right and all of those two things have huge political social personal um you know consequences and again it all goes back to a two different types of cells a large um I freak sessile, there you go, I remembered the word, a large sessile gamete and a small modal gamete. And all of the other, you know, um, perhaps observably bimodal consequences all link back to that binary. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we have Michael Shaw for a comment or a question, and then we'll go to, hi, I'm a chicken. <laughs> hi, I'm just... I'm going through the process of getting my diagnosis at the moment. And I'm just wondering if anybody else has had the experience of the doctors very quickly and very willing to jump to surgeries and the hormones, despite my res reservations, despite my saying, no, slow down. They seem to be just pushing me towards what, they believe I should be taking and it I don't know has anyone else felt like this before has this problem come up um the doctor's making me really nervous and I'm she won't like there's something there, there's something in my groin area that she won't tell me what it is she was very avoidant of any questions but she was really happy to jump to oh let's get you a general surgeon and let's get you the hormone treatments 
and uh, I just freaking out and wondering if anyone else has had this experience or it, it, is there a better way to deal with it or a yeah that's it if you are wait, wait. if you are uncomfortable with your physician's care i please implore you to go and get a second opinion right um if you're yeah so that that's first off the bat um and that's kind of I, I don't want to put you on the spot because there's like private information that you might be giving out so just um, yeah I would I would get um, a second opinion I don't know in terms of what you mean by diagnosis I'm not sure what all that is like I said but like that's personal information so um, but yeah, just get a second opinion. If you are uncomfortable at all with your physician, um, go see others, right? Um, you have that right as a, as a patient, right? And responsibility, legitimately. Um, never rush in. I, I'm getting... I, I, I can only assume what you're meaning completely michael i've seen you like and follow uh, my comments around uh for a while now but i wouldn't i wouldn't express to russian i one million percent agree with turner get a second opinion before they rush you into anything to make sure that you're making the most informed choice because the doctors won't give you informed consent when it comes down to these choices. It it all depends on where they're at and what ideological camp they belong to. If they believe in biology or if they believe in gender ideology or if they're just there to grease their own pocket at that point. And I hate to tell anybody to spend more money on medical care. Um, it does stack up, uh, especially when it comes to testing and labs and you have to keep going into the doctor and then get results for them, and it just adds more expense, which which I hate doing that to people, uh, especially from my own experience, and now I'm still paying off medical bills and still need to add more to it. But um, I would definitely make, uh, just based on the information you got, get a second opinion, make sure before you make a choice. Um, if you're talking about them pushing you into transition, that that happens a lot and I've heard more than my fair share and I've even had experiences myself where they're always wanting to promote that and how many children I've I've talked to and heard that got pushed in that space and there's so much going on that's messed up like I could sit here and do a whole space on that for over an hour on just that argument alone but please take care of yourself no one's going to take greater responsibility for your care than you can Thank you, Michael. Uh, we've got, hi, I'm, I'm a chicken as the next comment or question. Hey, folks, I won't take up too much of y'all's time. Um, just wanted to let y'all know that your words going across, your words getting out. I've been a rancher most of my life in South Texas, right by the Mexican border. So if someone like me, you know, like Freya has, I, I've lost count of the number of things I've learned, you know, from from just following and, you know, you would think, oh, well, you know, rancher, you know, he's going to be the last person who's going to be like, I get it. And I'm not saying it's good on me. It's not. It is zero on me. It's on y'all that y'all are getting the word out and letting people know 
about what you're going through. And I know in other terms that it can be tough sometimes because you wonder, am I in an echo chamber? You know, am I getting my word out? It's making it. And I, you know, good on all of y'all. And just, just know that those of us who, you know, don't have the medical conditions or anything else are starting to learn and understand. And so good job on everybody. That was my piece. Thank you. I was just going to say quickly, um, I there is a listener here. I, I don't know. I'll bring it up, but Kev um, is based, I believe, in Australia. A lovely guy, really nice person all round. Uh, um, he, when he was in Australia, and I don't know if is that where Michael is based. There is a lot of ignorance in the medical um, care over there for both people who do transition and people who have DSDs um, to the point where uh, there's quite a few people with DSDs over there who were told, you know, that their conditions were more akin to identity <laughs> and trans identities than their actual medical conditions. Um, in Australia at the moment, there is a lot of issues surrounding that, sadly, um, and a lot of ignorance and a lot of... Um, gender ideology i would call it in the political systems and it is causing absolute devastation over there in a way there are people um there there is a gentleman who runs pretty much one of the main intersex organizations um mr carpenter talk about him he doesn't even have a dsd condition i've spoken to other uh, some some former some activists and former activists that I'm still in touch with DSD activists, and they say that he doesn't have a DSD condition. Um, he he um, has a hormonal issue. It's it's, it's I, I don't know if it's called secondary hypogonadism. So unlike primary hypogonadism, which is quite severe, um, it, it, it's like um, it's just like a a condition basically that happens but isn't really classed as a DSD it is no there's no other issue going on so to speak and yet he has now rebranded himself well he's branded himself for quite a number of years as a major intersex activist over there um even encouraging people who don't have DSD conditions to self-identify as intersex which obviously muddies the waters considerably um you you get these activists sadly um right around the country, around the world not just in australia it happens in new zealand after speaking to graham my friend with xxy in new zealand who says it's happening over there too where people are self-identifying as having a dsd or under the identity of intersex and they are spreading a lot of misinformation about our conditions um all in the name of gender identity ideology um, and it's causing a lot of issues, you know, it, it, it's spreading harmful misinformation. It, it's, it's just, it's gone really bad. It's, it, and these people often can't even get medical treatments anymore because they've demedicalized it over there, especially in New Zealand where they've demedicalized, um, the intersex or DSDs. They've totally demedicalized it. So people can no longer really get medical treatments for it because it's more akin to an identity rather than <laughs> medical conditions, what they are. And it's just like, 
this is the problem. This is this is what how damaging this can be. This is proof of it. And James, who's listening in now, is saying it's started to happen and creep into California. Uh, and it's scaring a lot of people with DSD conditions because it's like, especially in America, and as we've already heard about Alex, um, who has an XX, a very rare XXXY mosaic condition, she had her medical insurance taken away from her because they changed the, the logistics of the language in the medical uh, and in the insurance. So it had to go more akin to intersex act uh, uh, identity rather than what she was diagnosed with. And then she lost her insurance over that temporarily. I don't know if she's managed to get sorted or not yet, but it caused unimaginable trauma and pain for her. And this is the damage this can do. This is this is the real life damage from real life people who are having to experience this this sort of onslaught of misinformation being spread about our conditions and it's changing the medical language when it shouldn't be because <laughs> As I say, they are medical conditions, not identities. I've called out, by the way, um, I've called out Morgan Carpenter, um, who is um, a big activist from Australia. And I've called him out about um, treating intersex as an identity and even um, their definition of quote-unquote intersex, right, Um, where they where it's that very vague 1.7 or even 5% because some orgs are claiming this, um, that 5% of people are quote-unquote intersex. Um, And uh, yeah, I've called Morgan out on this and then was met with um, hostility, was met with super hostility and swearing, and then I was blocked. And so I'm just like, okay, <laughs> um, you know, I, and and again, like, I don't see how these, you know, huge um, umbrella terms are, are helpful for us because, um, you know, besides perhaps like peer groups where, you know, we might go through like similar like struggles with like body image or we might go through similar struggles with like infertility um you know besides having like a peer group like that um you know but that language should not be um in you know medical schools or medical language you know it should be very condition specific um and the condition right Um, And I've mentioned this before, but the condition actually shouldn't be named after the people who discovered it, quote unquote, but it should be named after what it does. Um, So, for example, androgen insensitivity syndrome, I like because it right there in the description of it, you know what you're talking about, Um, you know, was what rather than like Turner syndrome, which is named after a, a doctor. Right. So I prefer the that language of quote-unquote androgen and sensitivity syndrome because it's descriptive and you can, you know, doctors who have studied this or, you know, have should have an idea, even if they're not completely familiar with what your syndrome, you know, what your condition is and does. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, it, it's not helpful you know, um, it, it's in fact the opposite of helpful. It's detrimental because it causes confusion where people are naming like three to five conditions they think are all in one, um, you know, and it, it it's just, 
it does not impact our day-to-day lives. What impacts our day-to-day lives is, like I said, like the condition-specific language. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so that, yeah. Um, okay, so we got, we're going to have Katie speak and then um, Swallow the Pill will speak and then Cynthia will wrap this up. Um, so, XO, I had a very similar experience with Morgan Carpenter. And all I was trying to say to him was, if you want to be a community, then you need to find a word that is truthful and accurate for all DSDs and intersex isn't. So if you really were interested in that, you would find a new word that works for everyone that doesn't mislabel people, but they're not open to it because their brand is intersex. That's what they're selling. And so that's why we never make any progress and we never will. Um, We will always disagree. And so it's really about asserting facts, um, which is why my picture says facts. Um, But separate to that, um, I agree with you. And at least your condition isn't named after four doctors. Uh, But um, (laughs) I will say um, it's very important to not use names that don't mean anything. Like, for example, one thing I learned recently from another girl with my condition is there are women that have a different condition that looks a lot like mine, and it's called WNT4 deficiency. And it's not a variant of my condition. It's a specific gene that doesn't work that causes similar things, but not the same things, different things. And so um, there are a few women with my diagnosis who've gone like crazy into intersex activism, and they know that they can't argue it on the basis of, you know, the condition, but they argue it on the basis of it's just language we use because we're different, which is not a good enough reason to call someone intersex. Um, But I often wonder because WNT4, from what I've heard recently, is a much more, it it causes masculinization in a way that MRKH does not. I often wonder if some of those girls, because I hear that Sometimes people are misdiagnosed with MRKH when really they have WNT4. I have to wonder sometimes if that's what it is. And they, because they say they just don't feel, I don't know. I don't know what it is anymore. I'm just saying there's no preciseness with any of these conditions. And so it's just a free for all. But I would prefer if, you know, malarian agenesis or malarian hypogenesis, which is the actual name of my diagnosis was separate than WNT4 deficiency because they're not the same. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Swallow the pill. You're next. Hi. I'm sorry um, if you guys covered this. I was a little bit late. I just have a question, and I feel like I probably know the answer, but I don't want to, like, assume and be wrong. Um, It, from what I gather and from how it seems it kind of seems like all of this insanity and force teaming is coming from the gender ideology activists. Um, and I'm wondering if it, I mean, it, I can't imagine that it would have originated anywhere, but there, but I, but again, I don't want to assume and be wrong. Is there any, is there any like world DSD, association that at any point in the past 
decided, yeah, let's shove ourselves in with, you know, the rest of the alphabet or um, is it more the way that it seems and we know is really kind of my question, just like, how did this insanity get going? The answer is no. And I'm sorry to come back in again, but I just want to make this very clear. There is no world DSD organization because there is no singular community of 40 different medical conditions. There are two things that exist. One is specific organizations related to each condition and then intersex organizations intersex organizations are the ones that have shoved they've decided to wholesale steal all dsds and claim anyone with any reproductive difference whatsoever is intersex which is a lie and then go and insert intersex into gender and then we have these condition specific organizations and those organizations are afraid and ultimately each condition has a few crazies that are like way into intersex activism they're totally queer balls to the wall and if anybody says anything, they're shamed, the organizations are shamed because they are get shamed by these very few people who say, you're not being inclusive. And then the organizations stand down and don't stand up for facts or for most of the people with the condition. And that's what's happened. And then on top of it, the intersex organi- organizations, and there's an interview with Kimberly Zeiselman from Interact where she said, I go where the money is. She actually said this. And the money is with gender. So that's what I'm aligning myself with. And she's gone to all these governments and she's gone to NGOs and hospital systems and basically shoved their content and propaganda down their throat. And that is why when you Google anything online, that's what you see. Um, I'd like to just add on to that as well. Um, Katie is exactly right with that. Um, there was a survey a survey done by one of the European Union's in-house uh, organisations um, where they uh, compiled a list about, so quote-unquote, intersex um, and how many people had it across the European Union and what people's thoughts were. Um, and when they did the survey, they released the survey to all the LGBTQI organizations out there. Stonewall was one of them, um, but they didn't release it to any of the condition-specific organizations. So when DSC families and all the condition-specific organizations went to the um it's it's actually it's it's all in um claire's uh the invention of intersex article i will put it again we have been circulating it for a while um now but it, it does it has all the backup all the evidence what's happened but when the condition specific organizations and dsd families here in the uk questioned um this european uh, union organization and said you know why haven't we been informed why didn't you ask for our opinion or, or our members opinion you know the people who have these conditions why haven't you asked them or including them into the survey um and when they asked that they were categorically called transphobic even though uh, our conditions have got nothing to do with being transgender um, it was complete and utter just nonsense um, and a total shambles in a way and it, it, it really and the, all the data that was released was really released to all these totally just unrelated organizations um, and the, in the actual survey which is quite funny a lot of them a third of the people who were questioned uh, claimed to be intersex, but they didn't have a diagnosis of a DSD condition, so they were self-identifying just for the fun of it, basically. And it just goes to show how dangerous this has become. 
um, because it's starting to cause issues within the statistics. So those statistics now in the European Union, they're totally voided, in my opinion, because they, they do they just don't represent the true reality of people with with legitimate um, DSD conditions. So it, it just goes to show the possible... I mean, I, I'm not somebody who's going against trans people at all. I would never wish to do that, and I wouldn't ever do that to people of gender identity. However, when these organisations are starting to do that now, where they're, they're purposely confusing identity with medical conditions, and then when these... Um, the, these condition-specific organisations have, you know, approached them, you know, peacefully, just saying, why, why isn't this being done? Just, just asking a simple question and then being completely trodden on and told that they're transphobic is just absolutely mind-bogglingly insane. And um, if I will put it on to my timeline, but it's all within, it's fully backed up with evidence. So this article Claire's done um, and uh, it was by case files. If anyone follows her, she's got complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. Um, and she has documented this, you know, th this, these abuses that have been happening to people with DSD conditions from, unfortunately, from organisations of LGBTQI the eye being intersex. Um, so it, it, they just don't represent us. They do not represent the people with the conditions anymore. It's, it's sad. It really is sad. And and it's sad that people are falsely using transphobia, uh, the, the, the word transphobia, at, you know, people with legitimate concerns. You know, is is, and this is the this is why people get so angry <laughs> by being falsely called these these words, these buzzwords, so to speak, constantly, because you know we're allowed to be concerned. You know, when our conditions are being completely mislabeled and you know completely <laughs> trodden on by other people who have no DSD conditions whatsoever. Well, you know what, oh, Nick, at, at this point, I'm beyond just concerned. Um, we're being abused. Like, plain and simple, we're being abused for profit. And I'm angry about it. Um, and it is, there's a huge lobby that's taking vulnerable people, right? And... Um, and propaganda and separating people from a very important function of their body and a very important developmental stage of their bodies, right? And purposefully messing with that for profit. Um, so at this point, I'm I'm past concern. I'm past feigning like kindness. I'm one of the kindest people ever. Um, I literally work with autistic and um you know other special needs kids in where i don't put myself first ever i am there like taking care of their needs and i'm patient and loving and i can be kind and patient and loving to anybody but i refuse to be abused i refuse to be abused on this biggest scale for fucking and pardon my language money because at the end of the day like this is what it no but this is what it is about um and kimberly zeiselman's words are like right there um so you know like um, so I'm, 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 I'm done, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that that's it. Um, 
Okay. I've just linked so, I've just linked the article by the way into the space at the top in the nest. Okay. Well if, if you guys wanna just send me um Turner, you can send me the PDF if you find it. James can send me the link to the documentary. And um that XXY, you can also um send me Claire's article and Zach and I can post everything in the thread and maybe even ask if Claire would want it reposted on Zach's website or um, even put some kind of article together on all of this and all of the craziness going on around the quote unquote activism that seems like it's more destructive and constructive. Um, And uh, yeah, hopefully help to get the word out. Also, if anybody putting this out there wants to potentially write an article for the Paradox Institute Zach's website um, and have it published, please um, let either of us know and we can talk about it with you and see if it's something that we would want to post or do more um, content on potentially a space or a video or anything like that. So, um, please feel free to send submissions to either one of us for that and um, we'll help you out. But we are going to have to cut things off because we're super hungry. <laughs> we haven't had dinner. Um, but thank you again for everybody coming in here and speaking and asking questions and engaging. It was great. Again, all of you are amazing. The fact that you can not um, just scream all the time about this. <laughs> and be composed and talk about it as eloquently and um, like just calmly as you do is amazing. It really speaks to your characters. Nick, if you do it, I'm going to, no, Nick, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. it. I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm, basically, I'll just explain very quickly. I, Turner once hosted a space and I had just had a foul exchange with some gender ideologist activists. <laughs> and I think I roared a bit. Uh, if anyone's seen um, Pat, uh, Patsy Stone when she does the scream when, um, when Saffron is moving back from the halls of residence and absolutely fabulous, I did something like that. It did sound like something from Psycho. <laughs> Well, thank you for restraining yourselves here. You're all great. I can understand getting frustrated in that situation. But yeah. I'll be hosting uh, I'll be hosting an after party, Zach Sin. Thank you for hosting. I love you guys. Um go eat. Go take care of yourselves. Um wishing you guys the best. Thank you, Zach, for all you do at the Paradox Institute. Um you thank know. you getting some information out there it is um you know very very appreciated um thank you cynthia for being a good friend for being a host for being um so kind and uh (laughs) understanding um you know uh, congratulations again because i'm so so happy for you um and uh yeah i'll see you at the after party bye guys Thank you for listening, by the way. Bye, all. Thank you. Thank you.